Hi, everyone. You're listening to episode 178 of Close Horse, and I am your host, as always, Amanda. And it is that time again. Time for Close Horse to save Halloween. It's a tradition around here. This will actually be the third year that we have endeavored to save Halloween. And I would say this year is better than ever because it is a straight up Saving Halloween Task Force extravaganza. And for this very important mission, I'm going to be joined by a close horse all-star. You know her, you love her. It's Maggie Green, the Halloween queen. Over the next two episodes, you'll get to meet some fabulous guests while we talk about all the ways we can save Halloween from the ghouls of capitalism, waste, and overconsumption. You'll be haunted by all of the scary facts about Halloween waste, but hopefully you'll also be inspired to make this Halloween better than ever, putting the we back into Halloween. In this episode, we're going to talk a lot about costumes and decorations, and we'll be joined by two other Clothes Horse All-Stars and major Halloween lovers, Ruby and Meredith. This is a long episode, but I kind of built it out in a way that will allow you to break it into smaller bite-sized pieces if that's your style, or maybe you're going to binge it all at once and get so into the Halloween spirit. It's up to you, but we have a lot to talk about today, so let's jump right in. This is our second annual Halloween extravaganza together. Oh yeah, I am I'm loving this tradition, Amanda. Thank you for having me. Again. I feel like it's just like this is what happens. You know, you reached out to me in August and we're like, we gotta talk about Halloween. And it was like, yeah, you're right. It's time. <laughs> this it's is what time. we do. It's is what we do now. So Maggie, you have been on the podcast so many times, I can't even keep count. But do you wanna reintroduce yourself to everyone? Remind everyone of why you are the Halloween queen. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, Thank you for the opportunity to introduce myself again. Listeners, hello. If you have not heard of me before, I'm Maggie Green, like the color with E at the end. My pronouns are she, her. I call myself a recovering marketing professional. I'm also (laughs) a trauma and abuse survivor. I don't know if listeners know that. Uh, But I'm also the chief everything officer and weirdo in residence at (laughs) Maggie Green Style, which I describe as an ethical micro business on a mission to transform how you see yourself. And just on the note of transformation, like pretty much when September 1st falls on the calendar, I sort of transform into Halloween mode. Um, by that point every year, I've I've already chosen the costume. Uh, my partner and I start brainstorming, usually in the springtime. Um, and Halloween has been my favorite day of the year, probably one of the only holidays that I really embrace and celebrate um, consistently. It's been the case since probably elementary or middle school. And each year I come up with a costume, uh, like I said, with my partner. So we have our own sort of personal private plans 
and also for my business since I launched in 2020. I've been doing a really fun, interesting creative series where I challenge myself to create as many costumes as I can come up with using only items in my closet. So that's called Styloween. I'm really excited. I'm like neck deep in production mode for that <laughs> series. And yeah, it's it's the best time of year. So I'm happy to be here. I am excited to have you here. Obviously, I feel the same way about Halloween. Um, You and I had a little offline conversation last week. I think it was last week where we were like, oh, wait, some people don't think Halloween is a holiday for adults, which had never occurred to me. I guess I'm a Halloween adult. You know, Um, I thought, you know, to me, Halloween is is ageless. Right. I agree. We can all partake in the good times that is the best time of year. Honestly, the best time of year. Yeah, I I think folks out there who think that it's just for kids or have themselves convinced that like as adults they are not they're not entitled to participate or they're, they're not invited to the party. I would say like reframe that. This is absolutely a time for everyone to get involved. Like you said, it's ageless, it's timeless. Um, it's something that everyone can enjoy. So. Yes. Yes. So tell me, like, what is it that you love most about Halloween? It's it's always, I would say, like, my my earliest love of Halloween was definitely inspired by the idea of being someone else other mm-hmm. than myself, right? Yeah. Being something, someone other than myself. So it kind of a, has evolved from there to, I guess I've always enjoyed creating more and doing more with less. And with each passing year, especially the older I get and the more, um, let's say, focused and clear that my wardrobe and style becomes, Halloween is like, mm-hmm. it's it brings all of those things together. It kind of lets me use all of my different skills, even for marketing, right? Like I'm, I'm not only participating in this activity for sometimes well over a month, you know, in advance of the holiday, it's, you know, creating community around it, conversation around it and getting other people involved, which, you know, Halloween isn't as fun if you're alone in it, right? Part of the appeal is, is getting, connecting with other people. So, um, yeah, I think I I get even more excited each year about that part. There's going to be new people who haven't heard of Styloween before. There are going to be people out there who, you know, maybe don't have any ideas or they've had something on their mind for years that they've not thought they could execute. And now they're like, you know, I'm going to give myself permission to do this. Like if, if Maggie, a almost 40 year old person can, can do this with, without buying anything new, like I can do it too. And yeah, it's, it's that's awesome. I love everything about it. Me too. Me too. And I plan on being like 96 years old, still enjoying Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's fun. It's so fun. It's so creative. And yeah, you. I, I don't know. I love spending time with people in this world of like fantasy and candy and fun times. And I always love the creative challenge of it all, including the creative challenge of doing it in a more sustainable way. Mm-hmm. So you love Halloween so much, we know that, that you help people create what I'm calling slow costumes, uh, which aren't snail costumes or turtle costumes, but just like not going out and buying yourself one of those fast costumes that, you know, kind of suck and are expensive. So you do that by holding these like costume consults with your clients. What does that look like? 
Well, first of all, I want to say, like, I love the term slow costume. And for me, as part of this business, as part of this, this offer, that's, I mean, technically seasonal, but you can book with me all year round. Like I, you know, I, I usually wait to promote it until like August or September, but the idea is to start early, to take your time, to know that for the results to be really impactful for you to love your costume, it is going to take a little bit of thought and care and time mm-hmm. and things like that in advance. So as far as what this looks like, the, the cool part about it is that it can take place from wherever you are in the world. This is a virtual type of engagement experience. And essentially I've set expectations with folks like if you sign up for one of these, be prepared to give me a virtual tour of your closet. Um, so we're going to have a guest later on in the episode that's had this experience before. And I'm, I'm thinking about that specific consult with her and like, she was a, a star, like a plus five star student because in advance of the session, she'd actually put up a garment rack in the background of like the area she had her computer set up at with all of the possible garments that were like, you know, possibilities for mm-hmm. this costume idea that she had. So that's part of it. I need to see what we're working with and Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be like super high production or perfect lighting or organized or anything like that. Basically, in that part of the consultation, I'm looking to take in some data, some information. I'm looking for colors and prints. And my really super creative brain is churning the entire time, making connections to, you know, characters and films and pop culture references as I'm seeing those things in your closet I'm generating ideas through the process so in addition to taking a tour of what you own so we're going to look at garments accessories shoes and things like that I'm also going to ask you some questions like you know what turns you on and I don't mean that in like a sexy way it's like (laughs) what are you excited about you know what are the things Mm -hmm. that are compelling to you right now it could be things that are going on in the headlines and politics. I don't know if it is, but that's a possibility, right? It could be Mm -hmm. maybe you're really enamored with nostalgia. So we kind of look towards the path. Like what are some of the things that stick out to you from your childhood experiences, things you saw on TV and magazines, read in books, all of those things. So it's, Mm -hmm. um, it's a pretty immersive experience. It's also very personal. So the ideas that I share with one person may be and are often radically different from suggestions I might make to others, right? It really depends on mm-hmm. what you own, what interests you. And there there are some situations where, like with our, our guest later on in the episode, she had a very specific idea and wanted help in the execution part. So it's like, you know, I'm, I'm married to this one costume idea and I just can't, can't seem to see how all the pieces fit together or, um, you know, I need someone else, you know, another set of eyes to look at my wardrobe in a new way. And that's exactly what happened in this case. Right. Um, so if you need ideas, I've got you on that, on that. Certainly if you have ideas or a specific idea and you're looking to make that happen in, you know, a, a low to zero waste way, more mindful, intentional. Let's look at your wardrobe and I'll help you put it together without 
I'm going to go out and buy any of that plastic crap that you see in Halloween stores. Many of us will start to feel overwhelmed by what costume to wear. Um, and that's where you end up sort of shutting down and going out and buying something. And I think you offer this really valuable service of just like that creative partner who helps you focus, which is priceless. Here's the thing too. For any project, yeah. you know? <laughs> just like, just a note on cost. So 2023 this year is the first year that I have you know, rolled out this offering as a paid service. Up to this point, I'd been doing this at no cost. I'm kind of in a, a community engagement sort of mechanism. Um, but this year, in addition to charging for my time and expertise and skills, I'm also doubling the time spent with individuals. That means we have more time to look at your wardrobe, means we have more time to talk about like what resonates with you. But, you know, you, you mentioned cost. So we're going to talk about the industry of costumes. We're going to talk about the commercialization of Halloween and all those things. Like this investment, this is a one-time investment for an hour with me. And you're going to walk away not only with what you need to put together this year's costume, but I'm also going to give you plenty of ideas for future costumes. So it's possible that in one conversation, you got Halloween figured out for like the next 10 years. Like that's not unreasonable to expect. That's awesome. So, you know, um, think about what you might invest in a costume, whether it's new or secondhand, you know, I'm, I'm charging a hundred dollars for this hour with me as far as like cost per wear and just return on that investment. Just sit with those numbers. Um, I think you'll be really pleased with the value that you get out of it. Um, people have so far, so I'm pretty excited about it. And I'm going to keep doing this year after year. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad. I love it. And I think, you know, for those of you who like really love Halloween and are actually you've been gifted with the same gift that Maggie has for putting together costumes. You can be that person in your friend's life too. And it's, it's fun, you know, to help someone work it out. Yes. It actually helps me out a lot too. It takes some heat off my calendar. So yeah, seriously. You the can't word. help everyone. Nice. Yeah. I like the idea of it being this like network of like costume fairy godparents out mm -hmm. there, like helping so that, you know, we can like run a uh, spirit of Halloween out of business. I'm just saying yeah. like could, could, could be guys can make a movement. Okay. So I, I need to check with you in terms of like on a scale of one to 10, where would you feel that your Halloween spirit is right now as we're recording this? Oh, on a scale of one to 10, I am, I am a solid seven borderline eight. Um, and wow. Listen, so literally there was just this big, like thunderous clap of thunder outside. It's starting to get like dark and ominous. So I might even be pushing toward a nine. So solid eight wow. and nine as we speak. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's happening. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. That's amazing. I would say, you know, I'm maybe like at a five, but I had to work really hard to get there mm. because I was like, I was like, I have to be in the spirit to record this set of episodes, but it is, you know, like a close to 100 degrees outside blue skies where I live right now. Um, and I haven't gotten my Halloween decorations out of storage yet, but I put on an orange and black dress. I made myself from scratch 
a vegan pumpkin spice latte iced, which I'm drinking right now. Mm. And I also have lined up to drink after that because I am constantly thirsty. Um, Waterloo has this new uh, fall flavor out called Spiced Apple. Uh Um, Spiced Apple, like sparkling water. And it is amazing. And it always makes me feel a little bit more of the spirit every time I take a sip. So that's what I'm doing. That's what I'm doing to get there. But Man, the I will tell you, the Texas weather wants me to think it's summer. So you know, <laughs> it's I, really hard. I gotta say, <laughs> I, I want to acknowledge that you have put in work to get where you are on the the Halloween spirits scale. So this is not a foreign concept to me. Like the being on level eight today is taking a while to get here as well. Like the Pacific Northwest weather seems like with climate change, it's different every year. It's like less and less predictable. And that, that's sort of like the deciding factor for me. Like once the weather changes, that's when I can really kick it into high gear. But like back to what you were saying, I mean, like, what do you do? How do you get there when you need to get there? <laughs> but like the weather's not cooperating or there are other right. factors at play. Like mental health is a big concern, you know, um, how are folks holding up? Um, it was yeah. hard. It was definitely a process. Um, I have some thoughts you know, if there are other people listening, you know, by the time this comes out, it's the first week, week of October. Where are you at? Like, you know, if you need a little boost, <laughs> what can we do? What are some things that I did? What are some things that you've done? Amanda, you mentioned your black and orange dress, you know, your, your fall <laughs> beverages. I think that's awesome. Um, yeah. Anything else? Does there anything else come to mind? I definitely have a list of like, here's my strategy if all else fails. Okay, so one thing that works for me too, and I didn't do this this morning, but I might do it later after a done recording to keep this momentum going, is listening to music that you associate with fall, Halloween, that kind of thing. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to go out and listen to the Monster Mash unless that's what gets you there. (laughs) Um, For me, it is the 1980s uh, ministry album with Sympathy, which is before they turned into like industrial and they were trying to be like more like I don't know, like Brit pop dancey or something. And uh, they also, this is a single that is not on this album, but they're the ones like they have a song called Every Day is Halloween, which also gets me in the vibe. But in general, hearing the album with sympathy always puts me in the mood for Halloween, even though it's not, it's, you know, it's not about Halloween at all. (laughs) It just gets me there. Um, So I think music can be really helpful. Um, Another thing I did this weekend, which was really beneficial is I, went to at least five, I lost count, so many thrift stores on Saturday with Dustin um, because I wanted to see what was out there for Halloween and kind of get inspired for what I want to do in terms of a costume. And there was a ton of stuff, which we'll talk about later, but seeing other people there picking out their costumes and looking at things and talking, it like actually... It raised my Halloween spirit <laughs> to be around other people who are thinking about it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that I would just suggest is like, if you feel safe doing this um, and you, this is something you're comfortable doing, uh, having people over your friends, not random people, but your friends to work on Halloween costumes or decorations together, maybe make some like fun treats to have while you're doing it. Uh I think that if I could, if I had friends here in Austin and they were coming over this week to work on costumes, I think that my, I would be at a nine right away. <laughs> <laughs> like instant nine. I have to say, 
as the Halloween queen, I have I have a few trusted people in my most intimate inner circles that are privy to things that say the general public isn't. So even if we're not physically occupying the same space and working on our costumes together, there's like there's a a touch point, an ongoing dialogue like they are they're hungry and eager for updates. They want to know how things are going. Maybe I've encountered a challenge or an obstacle that was unforeseen and they're like, you know, they're they're helping me over the hump like making suggestions. So yeah, um, all that to say, like, if that's not possible or if you don't feel safe gathering in person and making, like, a whole thing of it, um, reach out to your friends. Get the dialogue going. It's never too soon to talk about Halloween. I don't care who you are or where you are. Like, you know, it's never, <laughs> it's never too, too soon. soon. <laughs> if, you feel, feel, if you feel inspired in February, do it. Find the person in your life who is going to indulge you and, you know, have that conversation. Um, I, so for me, like I said, it, it t- took some work. Uh, when we first started mm-hmm. talking about this in August, I was, I was getting a little nervous. Like, am I going to be able to get there <laughs> in time? Am I going right. to be like on point this year? But, um, a few things that definitely helped me pretty consistently, I love, love costumes. It's my favorite part of Halloween, like dressing up, of course, as a stylist. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I love it. I love seeing other people's costumes. But I also, a lot of times, go back and look at previous costumes that I've done, you know, just to, like, kind of flirt with nostalgia a little bit, like, you know, mm-hmm. recount the memories around those costumes and those events and just, you know, take a little trip down memory lane um that kind of thing definitely gives me a boost um i get excited when other people get excited too and a lot of times especially around halloween people come to expect it from me like you know from the the first mention of it people are like invested they're like they're trying to guess (laughs) what the costumes are gonna be they're like asking me questions Mm -hmm. and things like that so like the hype you know creating hype uh, also helps get me in the spirit but like more recently especially with this weather change i am in horror movie mode i'm like all the hot autumnal cozy beverages and like the glorious psychological horror type of like <laughs> Give me true crime. Give me, you know, forensic science. Give me, like, all of the stuff. Uh, so I've been, you know, kind of on a loop. I've got, like, my greatest hits, go-tos for scary movies. Um, and this year, food has been a big deal. Uh, I've been, like, my so my partner is a chef, which I'm not bragging when Jealous. I say that. I know, but, like... I am so privileged and fortunate to, to have him in my life. But we, we've we been kind of like um, redistributing some of the domestic labor. And I'm like, I can cook. I can bake. I can do things. So why don't I help out a little more? And I'm trying to do that some more. And through that process, especially with the fall season, um, I've come up with some pretty, pretty cool, delicious things. Um, I tried my hand at caramel for the very first time from scratch, which was kind of a disaster, but a learning experience. Um, I always think about caramel apple. That's like quintessentially fall. So before the fall season's over, I will have perfected my own caramel apple recipe. 
<laughs> that is a very good use of time. Well, wherever you are in terms of your Halloween spirit, um, I think that after you hear all of the stuff Maggie and I have to share with you and our extravaganza of fabulous guests, I was telling Maggie, I feel like this is like the Muppet show or something. It's so good. Uh, you will definitely feel the Halloween spirit. And perhaps you yourself will perfect your own caramel apple recipe. <laughs> now I feel like I need to. I'm like putting it on my list here. Yes. Maggie and I are here once again to save Halloween with some help from our friends. And most importantly, I feel like we've already touched on this like 20 times without saying it. We're here to put the we back in Halloween, putting people first, like as in our time spent with people, the impact of all this waste on people and planet, and the people who make all of those decorations, costumes, and candy. We're going to put all of those people first. So, you know, we've talked about this before, Maggie, how big Halloween, the commercialization of Halloween, the Halloween industrial complex has almost ruined it. And in fact... Sometimes I get kind of depressed about this, Maggie. I don't know if you ever go there, but I think that for some people, Halloween has been ruined by the commercialization of it, where it's just like, oh, it's another thing I got to spend money on. It's another obligation. It's just stressful. Mm -hmm. It's another errand I have to chalk off the list and stuff I have to figure out where to store. And it makes me really sad. <laughs> it makes me really, really sad. But I've, I've had conversations with people who are like, oh, Halloween, tell me when it's over. And that... That hurts my heart, you know? Yeah, same. Let's take a moment to thank this week's episode sponsor, a brand that I love and feel very honored to have supporting the show. Seriously, what a pat on my back. Oseduro is a sustainable fashion brand based in Ghana that uses handmade textile techniques to create contemporary garments. All products are hand-dyed and sewn in Ghana with small-scale artisans and manufacturers to support the local apparel industry. This is a really big deal to me because as we've all learned in our series with the Aura Foundation, fast fashion has had an extremely negative impact on the local textile industry in Ghana. So what Oseduro is doing is really important to me. And their clothing is colorful with bold prints and it's size inclusive with many styles offered in sizes extra small to 4X. They are also conscious of waste and they're always developing more programs to tackle textile waste. Plus, they collaborate with artists, designers, and other brands to bring unique and limited edition pieces. Furthermore, this is very important to me too, this is a brand that cares for its workers, priding themselves on taking full-time pay for a four-day work week. The staff enjoys three weeks of annual paid leave, 90 days of full-pay maternity leave, two weeks of full-pay paternity leave, full health insurance coverage, pensions, and other statutory benefits. This is unheard of in the fashion industry. You can learn more and check out all of their incredibly unique and wearable pieces. They're all going to become the best things you've ever bought and you're going to wear them the rest of your life. You can find them at oseduro.com. You can find them on Instagram at oseduro. And guess what? Oseduro has a special offer just for Close Horse listeners. Use promo code CLOSEHORSE20 for 20% off your purchase. Once again, that's CLOSEHORSE20 
for 20% off your purchase. And I'll share that in the show notes. Thank you again for your support. a lot of things we discover around here that relate to consumerism and retail. Halloween began to be a big shopping holiday after World War II, when shopping became the American pastime, because Disney began licensing its characters' likenesses for costume patterns that were sold at local five and dimes. So we're not at like, you go to the store and you buy the full costume yet, but your mom or your grandma or some other adult in your life, and I didn't really say dad or grandpa because we're talking about, you know, the 50s here, uh, they would they could go buy a sewing pattern and you could be goofy. I don't know why that's the only Disney character I could just think of then. But anyway, I'm, not, I'm a Halloween <laughs> adult, but not a Disney adult, apparently. Um, this was a big deal. It was like, oh, oh, now, like, I want to be this character, right? Because before you could just be like, I'm a sailor or a lumberjack or something like that. So at the same time, we see the rise of the suburbs, right? Which totally changes what it means for kids in terms of their interaction with the space around them. And one thing they can do is start going trick-or-treating. This is like what we picture, like the 60s, 70s, 80s, like childhood experience. When we picture it and we think about Halloween, it's always about trick-or-treating. Like, I think about the movie E.T., which I saw many times when I was a kid. My mom was obsessed with the movie E.T. It actually makes me way too sad. Uh, but there's, like, trick-or-treating is, like, the key part of the plot, right? It's, That's like, true. so yep. cool. It's such a – I guess, like, if you want to get in the Halloween spirit but possibly be a little sad – E.T. is a good movie to watch. There you go. Watch E.T. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. But you might get sad. Spoiler. Um, so trick-or-treating becomes this really big thing, an integral part of like the childhood experience. So then you need costumes. By the 1980s, older baby boomers were having kids of their own, and younger members of the boomer generation were turning the holiday into an excuse for a night out. So this is when we start to be like, okay, we're selling costumes to kids, and we're also selling costumes to adults. And in a perfect storm of all of this, we have all these people who want costumes. Licensing deals start to emerge with comic book publishers and movie studios. So now suddenly... You can dress as your favorite movie or comic book or cartoon character. This did not really exist before that unless someone made the costume for you. Now your parents could take you to the store and just buy you something. And I have very visceral, very young childhood memories of the weird plastic mask costumes with the plastic smock thing and the way it smelled to wear it. I think it was a very short window in time that like, People who are a few years older than me probably have more experience with, but I remember that being the kind of costume that everyone at school wore in like kindergarten, like these head to toe plastic licensed costumes. Like maybe someone you know was an Ewok or a C3PO, and like I was Barbie, but they were all just these weird plastic things you would throw <laughs> on your body. Yeah. So, so gross, so gross. But this is like, this is when it all comes together in the 80s. It's like, okay, we have lots of costumes to sell. Uh, or we have lots. Of, we have a big audience to sell costumes to, and now we have all these costumes that we can make. And previous to that, like if you wanted to 
go buy a costume, really you could like rent something very fancy or you could just buy pieces like, you know, fake blood, witch hats, brooms. So this is like a total unlock where it's like, oh, wait, we could be selling all these costumes. Like Halloween could be a big money maker outside of candy. Like what? Um, and so Halloween really picks up momentum in the 80s and just keeps going and going and going. And these new companies pop up that really like their entire business depends on Halloween. We've got Party City, Spirit of Halloween, Halloween Express. Like these are businesses that open for like four to eight weeks and they close after that and they make all the money they need for the whole year of business. Strictly on Halloween costumes. It's wild. Like, I remember the first time I saw a, ho- a Spirit of Halloween. I feel like I was a teenager by then because they just hadn't come to where I lived at that point. And being like, wait, you're telling me there is a whole store that is just Halloween? I need to go yeah. there right now. <laughs> like, yeah. What the heck, right? <laughs> and it's it's overnight, too. They Like, they literally pop up. And it like you said, the window where they're they're out and in operation is so narrow. Like if you blink, you'll miss them. Like yeah. November 1st, it's a ghost town. They're gone. Yeah. They're already gone. It's a ghost town. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's wild. It's a really interesting concept. Now I have like an acquaintance we'll say who worked as a buyer for spirit of Halloween. And to me, at first I was like, that sounds like a dream job, but actually it's really stressful for a lot of reasons. One being that making costumes is not not the exquisite creative experience that creating your own costume is. Um, but two, if like, for example, a global pandemic comes and everyone has to stay at home, there goes your business and you're really stressed out and you're probably getting yelled at all the time. Um, or like if Halloween is on the middle of the week, like let's say Halloween is on like a Tuesday, sales aren't as good that year. Because less people buy costumes. Like, you still get kids, but you get less adults. And so there are years where Halloween is Friday or Saturday, and those are wild big business years, and everything else is a little bit slower. So Halloween is, it's it's a complicated business. And I was telling you when we first began to prepare for this, that the Halloween industrial complex has invaded far beyond costumes and candy and decorations even. And like I told you about going to TJ Maxx and being stunned by how many different categories of Halloween themed things I could buy if I wanted. It's weird. So it's weird. So y'all. weird. You know, pajamas, pajamas, <laughs> you know, socks, underwear, blankets, towels, uh, lip balm, hand soap, bath bombs, dog treats and dog clothes, pet toys as a whole. Uh, I saw a cat scratcher. Uh, I saw a cat house that was like a haunted house for cats to live in made out of oh, cardboard. Gosh. I guess they don't live in there. They, they live in your house, but they can go in there. Um, novelty food items like, you know, bat-shaped pasta or special cookie-making kits. And I mean, like, if you went deeper into any big box stores, you know, you're going to see throw pillows and sheets and you know, throw blankets and dishware. And I mean, it, every element of your life could be Halloweenified if you wanted it. It seems so excessive to me. I remember when I was in high school, you know, one of my friends, his mom had like just at Christmas time, special hand towels. And I was like, this is over the top. <laughs> <laughs> but that was nothing. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. That you was know? just the beginning. <laughs> yeah, that was just the beginning. And like now you could literally transform every every item that you use in your life could be Halloweenified. And I would just ask, like, is that necessary? I mean, I think we all know the answer there, but it's it gets me depressed. This is the kind of stuff that I think ruins Halloween for people when you feel like you also have to buy pajamas and underwear and socks and blankets and towels and hand soap and dog uh, clothes and, you know, whatever else. I was just sitting here, you know, at my desk, right? Just my my regular desk. Everything, nothing is Halloweenified in here. I don't really do decor much, but I just got this flash vision of what it would be like <laughs> if I if I looked at my life through a Halloween lens and like everything were somehow, yeah, Halloweenified. Like I I love Halloween. I feel like it's a kind of a lifestyle in a way. But that, yeah, depressing is a great word for it. Um, I think it would be creepy and like not in a cool way. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, I celebrate Halloween on my own terms, right? Like, <laughs> Halloween on my own terms. Like, don't don't force feed me this, I don't know, Halloween aesthetic. It's, I don't know. That's wild. And I was, I was telling you, like, on my, like, big thrift journey this weekend, you know, I went because I really wanted to see what was out there to, pre- you know, to get myself in the spirit, but also prepare myself for what we were going to talk about today. And... What struck me is the sheer volume of Halloween items that I had never even thought about. Like, of course, for one, nobody needs to literally ever again buy a trick-or-treat bucket because there are so many of them at thrift stores. I sell so many of those McDonald's ones alone. You could do a whole army. Like, if you have 13 kids, you could get buckets for them all at one thrift store, I think. Like, you'd be good to go, and then they could use them and pass them on to their children. Like, that's how many buckets there are. Uh, Bowls to put Halloween candy in, ample of those. Those are things I kind of expected, but, like, I was surprised by the sheer volume of, like, drinking vessels, like pumpkin-shaped cups and water bottles and shot glasses and Halloween wine glasses. And <laughs> and I was like, wow, people do that? Um, Halloween dishware just in general. It it just – it was surprising to me, like, what I saw. And uh, it's out there. There's so much of it out there. Why would we buy more? Yeah, there's there's a lot. It's it's everywhere. Um, one of the thrift stores I went to, which is a big one, to be fair, but still, I mean, like this is not unusual. Had an entire aisle, both sides of the racks were just Halloween t-shirts. That's it, just Halloween t-shirts for the whole family. It was like wow. And then there was another aisle that was Halloween pajama pants. So, well, put this into perspective, like as like the calendar. Right. What's the maximum number of wares that this piece is going to be relevant? And like, if you're buying Halloween themed clothing, are you wearing it throughout the year? Like, I want to know people who have Halloween themed pajama pants. Are you wearing them at Christmas time? Are you wearing them for Valentine's Day? Right. Right. You know, I mean, so something I think about when it, you know, when we talk about like Halloween clothes, like, listen, Sometimes things come up like, I don't know, lots of offices will have weird things where you have to wear like a Halloween shirt or it's Halloween day at school where you have to wear a shirt, something like that. Fine. Why wouldn't you just put it away and wear it next year? And then you always have it and you never need to think about it again. Like I've had so many jobs, Maggie, 
that are like, today we're having a Christmas happy hour, mandatory fun, right? Bring your Christmas sweater. Like it's always like mandatory fun that I really don't want to engage in because I'd rather be with my family and friends uh, or working. But here I am at yet another special luncheon where we have to wear Halloween sweater, I mean, a, a holiday sweater, right? So six years ago, I was like, you know what? I'm like sick of this like sweater stress that reaches me every year and then I go thrifting and I don't find anything and then I just show up like as myself with no Christmas sweater and people give me a hard time. I'm going to find one that I like and that's just going to be it. So I bought a Hello Kitty Christmas sweater and I just get that out every year and wear it for the month of December. And, you know, when you think about it over time, like that's getting a lot of wears out of it, right? I don't say to myself, I'm going to donate that and get another one next year, but it seems like that's what's happening with a lot of these like holiday clothes. And it makes me really sad. Like if you've, I get it, wearing Christmas pants, like Christmas pajama pants in January is really depressing. It becomes ridiculous by July. But maybe you just pull them out every year as you get into the holiday season, and then you get to wear them for a month, and they feel super special, and then you put them away again. I I think that's where I get, like, frustrated with it all, you know? Yeah, so, the idea that you have to get something new every year. Just yeah. find find the one thing, like one Amanda of, did, and the one solid thing, you know? Yeah, um, and then you never have to worry about it again either, because I do think mm-hmm. these, like— situations in which we're required to wear something holiday specific can be another thing that kind of start to erode your your holiday spirit, whatever the holiday is, because you're like, oh, this is again, one more errand I got to put on the list. I guess I'll go to Target after work. That's like the last thing I wanted to do. You know, now you wouldn't have to do that. Um, if you do need a ho- Halloween t-shirt though, let me tell you, there are many, you could get a whole lifetime supply. There's like so many out there right now. The the one thrift store that I went to, not only did it have hundreds, hundreds of Halloween t-shirts, there were duplicates. Like, so, like I was like, oh, I think I remember seeing this t-shirt at Target. Oh my gosh, this is like the 13th time I've seen it on this rack. Like just so many. Um, but the thing is like Halloween is a big sales driver for so many retailers. And it's something that like, began in the 80s, picked up momentum in the 90s. But in this century, it's even bigger. And I think part of it is that so many adults love Halloween more than ever. And, you know, we get excited when we see it at the store. I will tell you that in the past I used to get, I'd be like, I got to go to Target and see what's at the Halloween aisle. Like, I can't wait, right? It's going to make buying cat food this much more fun. And over the past couple of years, I just kind of was like, I don't care anymore. It's not that I don't love Halloween. I just, none of this stuff is going to get me excited anymore. But this is a big deal. You know, I, because I am a creep on the internet, I follow a subreddit for people who work at Target. And they're, they are all like universally like, I, I dread when Halloween comes because we fill the aisles with stuff. It sells super fast. And then we spend a month with people yelling at us because we're sold out. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, it's 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 just such a big business. Like in the past couple of years, even places like Home Depot and Lowe's and other home improvement stores have gotten into the Halloween business because like the need for more extreme and elaborate outdoor decorations has picked up so much momentum. So now it's a major shopping holiday for home improvement stores. Um, and then you've got places like Home Goods and TJ Maxx. They're churning out the throw pillows and the blankets and the dog bowls and the shot glasses and whatever else. Uh, drug stores, like even the CVS near my house is 
you know, not to disparage them, it's probably one of the worst CVSs I've ever gone to. Like anytime you need a specific healthcare type item, they don't have it. Um, but they certainly have like three aisles of Halloween stuff right now. I went there oh to get vaccinated last week and I was like, wow, they have so much, <laughs> so much Halloween, but they don't have any band-aids. That's weird. Um, and, you know, Walmart, Target, like all the big box stores is a big time of year for them as well. And then you have places like Party City and Spirit of Halloween. And I always forget about Party City. Have you ever gone to one of these, Maggie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's been several years, but yeah. Uh, Party City, like it turns out like Halloween is like where they really make their money, but they somehow stay open the rest of the year. And Party City opened in 1986 as we're starting to see Halloween become a big business. And immediately Halloween became like their primary moneymaker. Uh, now there are more than 900 Party City stores in North America. And the company actually starts planning for Halloween a year in advance. It has a 130-person design team, which Holy is shit. bigger than any retailer I have worked for. In fact, the biggest company I worked for, which is like a, a conglomerate of multiple fast fashion brands on a campus, there's no way there were 130 designers on that campus. No way. Um, so this is huge. The 130-person design team creates and designs all the costumes. And in 2016, the company bought a factory in Madagascar to manufacture costumes. That's all it does. That's all it does is make Halloween costumes 365 days a year. So when summer rolls around, the company hires about 35,000 seasonal employees to run their like their stores for Halloween Um just really for the month of September and October. And a quarter of the entire sales for the year happen in October for that business. The company's vice president of investor relations, her name is Deborah Bellavan. She said, Halloween is really our Christmas, which is true. Christmas at Party City is probably pretty chill, you know? Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I have never personally gone to Party City in pursuit of a costume. It's always something really weird for like an office party, honestly. It's like, oh, we need balloons in the numbers, right, for someone's birthday or something like that. I think I got a pair of um, like elbow length costume gloves there once. And it's always like this obscure item that I've, you know, I've scoured <laughs> thrift stores. Yeah. I've looked up and down my closet, my partner's closet, friends, like, um, yeah, I, I vividly remember that all of their inventory is organized by color, except for the Halloween stuff, which is like probably 50% of the footprint of the store, you know, depending on the time of year yeah. you go. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's an interesting place, uh, unsettling, like to the eye, but also just like as a consumer, it's, um, yeah, it's very plastic and prefab and nightmarish. It's very plastic in there. Uh, it seems like perhaps, and this is just anecdotal based on my own experience being in the store, 
that after Halloween, uh, bachelorette parties are their second biggest revenue driver, um, but probably like, significantly lower. But if you go there in the non-Halloween season, it's just aisles and aisles of bachelorette stuff, I swear. You know, uh, crowns yeah. with veils, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Big Pearls penises. And yeah, paint yeah. feathers. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Um, so, okay. I had a kind of an existential crisis. Okay, that's over dramatic. But I had a moment a couple weeks ago as I was driving around with Dustin and I was like, oh, wow, Spirit of Halloween opened next to this Indian restaurant. I did not see that coming. It was such a small space. And I was looking at the sign and I was like, wait, is it Spirit of Halloween or is it now Spirit Halloween? Did they drop the of? I think they may have. Um, I don't know. I don't this know. Is one of those weird, like, Mandela effect things. Like, was it always Spirit Halloween or Spirit of Halloween? Right? I don't know. I don't know I really either. Don't know. It's so weird. Okay. Well, here's the deal with Spirit of or not of Halloween. It's actually owned by Spencer's, like Spencer's Gifts, like the store at the mall, right? That sells a lot of dildos and like posters, right? 50% of the company's entire annual revenue, including this is like the whole Spencer's business, comes from Spirit of Halloween. Those stores are only open for two to three months. In fact, um, one that is open for three months is like very rare, although ours the one that I saw next to the Indian restaurant opened in like mid-August and it was shocking to me. I was like, I'm not there yet. Um, but these, they're, you know, they are very pop-up. They really have benefited from the sort of like retail apocalypse um, because what they do is they take these big empty buildings um, and they are able to lock down a really low rent price to be in there temporarily because it's really hard to get someone to move into an old Circuit City or Best Buy or Tuesday morning yeah. or Blockbuster. Yeah. Or, I mean, there's so many, so many stores after um, Pier 1 Imports went out of business. I was seeing a lot of them pop up in old Pier 1 spaces. And I was like, oh, that's a good idea because no one's ever going to rent that space. So they negotiate this really cheap rent for these buildings that would otherwise sit empty. And that's why it's like sort of a meme that they pop up in any business that goes under. Um, but that's how it works. So Spirit Halloween or Spirit of Halloween, whatever the hell it is called, was founded by Joe Marver in 1983. And he was able to grow the business from one single pop-up store in the Castro Valley Mall in California to 63 stores across the country in like the first year or two. And he didn't, he's not a Halloween lover like us. That's not why he opened it. He actually uh, had a clothing line called Spirit Women's Discount Apparel. Really rolls off the tongue. Very desirable uh -huh. name, right? Um, and that was, that was the name of his store, Spirit Women's Discount Apparel. And he started to like throw some Halloween stuff in there, like wigs, masks, et cetera. And it was actually a really big hit. So then he started opening more of these. Um, over the years, he just kept growing and growing and tons of retailers wanted to buy this concept because at this point, well, and it's still, no one else had ever just said, let's open some Halloween pop-up stores. It just wasn't something you thought of. And and to be fair, also back then, there would have been a lot less empty re retail space sitting around waiting for a Halloween to inhabit it. You know, uh, it's weird to think about 
how many, I mean, I get depressed about this, how many just like half empty strip malls and big box stores I see on a regular basis now, you know? They're the, everywhere. Yeah. They're everywhere and dead malls and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So people are like, can we please buy you? And he's like, no, I, this is my business. This is my baby. Well, in 1999, he ran into an executive from Spencer's at a party supply trade show in Manhattan. And they were said, hey, can we bring you out? to our headquarters in Egg Harbor Township, New Jersey, just outside of Atlantic City. It'd be a couple hour trip, especially with traffic. Can we bring you out in a limousine? He said, sure. Got in the limousine, very fancy, goes out to Egg Harbor and the deal was brokered. So now Spencer's own Spirit of Halloween and, or Spirit Halloween. And this is like the biggest part of their business. You know, like this is this is what keeps them going. That and the sex toys, which is also true. I'm not making that up. Like that's the other biggest revenue driver for Spencer's as a whole. And I will tell you, I have driven past the Spencer's World headquarters in Egg Harbor. It's on the way to the beach. Uh, pretty underwhelming. And one time Dylan and I were going by and we we're like, oh, that's what we didn't expect from Spencer's. Like we thought it'd be more lively. Uh, the sign was broken too. It was very depressing actually. I was oh, like, wow. wow, maybe Spencer's is having money problems, but maybe they just didn't have a good Halloween. Or maybe it's intentional, like the, you know, a, um, like a cover or a front, like all the cool action, good stuff <laughs> is happening inside the the confines of the space. I don't know. I don't know. I just think it smells like plastic in there, just like it Party must, City. Yeah. Right. Like petroleum and yeah. Oh, yuck. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about costumes, right? That man, costumes get really depressing really fast. So I hope you're not all losing your spirit. If you need to pause, eat something with pumpkin in it, we're here for you. We don't want you to lose your spirit. Because what we're gonna about to talk about is kind of depressing, which is the reality of Halloween costumes in this day and age. I always say the scariest thing about Halloween is all of the waste. Um, Although I also can't handle scary movies, so maybe they're scarier, I don't know. (laughs) According to a hubbub study conducted in 2019, it's estimated that around 2,000 metric tons of plastic waste is generated from disposable, spoiler, they're not disposable, Halloween clothing in the UK alone. And that equates to about 83 million plastic bottles ending up in the landfill. That figure, 2,000 metric tons, does not even include the other components of costumes, you know, like non-plastic fabrics, although they're a little hard to find, Uh, wigs, props, cosmetic waste, all of the other shoes and items that we might buy just to wear with a costume one time and then never use again and possibly pass to the landfill immediately. You know, when I say 2,000 metric tons, when I say 83 million plastic bottles, I mean, you you can sit back and you're like, yeah, that's like a lot of stuff. But What does that really mean? Like, what's the context? Well, that's the equivalent of two cargo ships. Cargo ships are humongous. Uh, 13 adult blue whales, six Boeing 747s, which are kind of like the hugest passenger airplane. I was on one one time and it had a second floor with a bar in it. That's how big it was. So we're talking a really huge amount of waste here, literally a huge amount of waste. 
Here's the deal with that UK study. The UK has 20% the population of the United States. So if you pull out the calculator, like I already did, and you do some easy math, the US is probably sending 10,000 metric tons of plastic waste to the landfill from this so-called disposable Halloween clothing. That's 10 cargo ships. 65 adult blue whales, 30 Boeing 747s. And it's it's all worn or used once, maybe twice, maybe three times in that spooky season of that year. And that's that's it. We know that nothing is disposable. So the idea that anything, including Halloween costumes, is single use, which is how they're sold to us and how we often tend to exist with them, that idea that they're single use is, it's just fundamentally wrong. I was telling Maggie before we started recording that when I was thrifting this week, the thing that struck me more than ever was just like none of the thrift stores I went to were selling brand new costumes, which I think is great, but I didn't go to a Goodwill or like a Savers. And those are the two chains that always have aisles of brand new costumes too. But what I did see were many, many aisles of co- like these like quick, fast costume, plastic costumes that were had been donated immediately and were available to purchase. Like there's just so many of these costumes. Um, And there was like so much repetition and it's just, I mean, I know it all starts when you're like, you know, if it's in the ether and everybody wants to be Super Mario Brothers, that's just how it happens, you know? But it it was stunning to me, the amount of these costumes I saw this weekend. I wonder if some of those are, um, like I've seen this happening in thrift stores, like retailers, big box stores will donate like unused or unsold inventory. And it'll be like, just randomly, like, it's true. I don't know, like the specific color and style of sweatpants in like, you know, 70 different sizes or whatever. Um, I wonder if this is like a, a tax incentive type of situation where they're they're um, handing down some of those plastic costumes to secondhand stores. I don't know. I would love to know about that. Like if any of you listening work for a place like Target or Walmart, tell us what you do with the leftover Halloween costumes. Because if we have to give props to Spirit of Halloween in any way, they do pack up all the costumes that didn't sell and put them back out the next year. So there's that. But I do wonder about places like Target or, I mean, Walgreens has costumes, right? What do they do with them if they don't sell? I don't think that they put them in storage for the next year because especially if I think about Target, you can tell everything is brand new for that year, you know, designed into whatever they are seeing as the biggest trends. So I do wonder if that's where some of the stuff is coming from. It's so many, so many costumes and they're always terrible. Like they don't fit um, they don't last. It, God forbid you like make one fast move while you're out trick-or-treating. The costume is donezo, you know? Oh, and yeah, don't wear it in Seattle because it rains and that shit will just disintegrate yeah. with moisture. It's true. It's true. They're so bad. The other thing is like, you know, something we talk about a lot when we talk about clothing here on Clothes Horse is, you know, we say it's cheap because someone didn't get paid. That relates to costumes as well, even though... 
something that has struck me is that often, especially if you go to like a spirit of Halloween, the costumes seem really expensive or not that they're really expensive, but the price doesn't align with what you get. Like more than clothing ever. It's like, that's $60, but it feels like it's worth about $5.99, you know? (laughs) Like as the person who's had to spend many Halloweens with Dylan, like the weeks leading up to it, in the aisle at Target or at Spirit of Halloween and like getting sticker shock every time we would pick out a costume because Dylan only wanted store-bought costumes and it was like a big bone of contention for a long time that I just couldn't, I couldn't fight with them on. I was like, fine, you're, you're seven, like whatever. I had store-bought costumes when I was seven too. Um, but I would always be struck like, I can't believe that was $60, you know, because it felt like it's... It's like the worst fabric money could buy and all the corners are cut. And conversely, I was a couple weeks ago looking at the Halloween costumes on Dolls Kill just to get myself riled up mainly. And I was like, wow, that costume is like $60 and has like 12 different pieces to it. This doesn't make sense to me either. Like there's such a disconnect there. And I think that often the pricing around costumes uh, one, it the quality is terrible, but two, they can kind of mark stuff up because we're desperate for it. Uh, but even still, the thing about these costumes is like we still see all the same ethical issues in terms mm-hmm. of how people are or are not paid and treated who are making these costumes. When I was reading about Party City having this factory in Madagascar, Honestly, it it freaked me out. I was like, there's no way that that factory is a good place to work. There's just no way, right? And the reason they're in Madagascar is because they can probably pay people nothing. There's no reason why Halloween costumes would be made there otherwise, you know? It's like you have to boat all of it out of there. It's like so wild to me. So yeah, the costumes are not made to last. Uh, the fabrics and trims are very low quality There was a study that was done in 2019 by the Fairyland Trust. Um, They bought samples of costumes from 19 different UK retailers, and they found that 83% of the material in the 324 clothing items uh, were oil-based plastic. Not surprising. They're all, I mean, nothing is more transparently plastic than Halloween costumes. It's pretty obvious when you put them on. Uh, 69% of that was polyester, and then there was just all kinds of other components that were plastic. Even in the off chance that you buy a costume and some of it is not polyester or plastic, it's probably lyocell, which is also very toxic and energy-intensive to produce. On the other side of the coin, do I really want people to be buying cotton costumes or other natural fibers when all of this water and uh, agricultural space would be used to grow stuff that people aren't going to wear. I mean, that's the other side of the coin, right? That's not an answer either. Yeah, a good point. (sighs) The fabrics are cheap, right? And the industry wants you to buy a new costume every year. Costumes are a highly seasonal business. And so, you know, we've talked here on the podcast before about how swimwear – bathing suits are another 
part of the business that often seems to, especially if you go into a fast fashion retailer, the pricing often doesn't align with the quality. And that's because they need to get maximum profit out of it during a very short window. And Halloween is even more extreme, right? You only have like about six weeks there. If you don't, whatever you don't sell at the end, you either have to put on sale, pack away for the next year, or, you know, donate, throw in the trash. So you need to make every cent you can off of the full price costumes. And so often that means the pricing is much higher and doesn't align with the actual cost of making the costume because you got to make every cent you can basically to make the numbers work. Um, You know, like I said, Spirit of Halloween does pack up the unsold costumes. But if you've ever, like me, gone to Target the day after a holiday because you want to buy all the sale candy, uh, you will see that suddenly stuff goes from being full priced to 90% off in like 24 hours, right? It's just about getting rid of it. It's a very risky business to be in. That is why you will see, like, I started to see Halloween costumes out in late July. That is why Christmas stuff is already out everywhere I've gone recently because they want to have the maximum length of time, the maximum selling window to sell the stuff for full price before it becomes instant trash, basically. So yeah, it's all these categories. It's not just costumes. It's swimwear, it's shorts, it's sandals, it's outdoor furniture. This is the strategy to make as much money in the short period of time as possible before you have to throw everything else out. I would suspect that Knowing that the markup on fast fashion uh, is usually four to five times the cost, uh, I would say that costumes are probably five, six, or seven times the cost. And when you think about that, and you see some, like I saw a costume on Doll's Kill that had, I don't know, six different pieces that came with it. Now, who knows what the quality is there? But knowing that it was $60, that was like the retail price, I was like, huh, so... All those pieces in whole, the total $10 to make it, what did the people who made them get paid, you know? And what is this stuff made of? <laughs> like, it just, it's bad. It's a really bad story. <sighs> okay, well, are you depressed about costumes now? I, I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated, right? Every, every year I feel like, I mean, from the Clothes Horse podcast anyway, I always learn something new. Um it's it's dark right and it's bleak and there's <laughs> yeah. hope like we're yeah. not here to to make you feel bad we're not here to to drain you of the halloween spirit it's really it's about education and inspiration and ultimately challenging you to like we we can do things differently we don't have to subscribe to you know these um capitalistic and consumerist traditions it's a choice you don't have to You know, I remember when I was a kid, my grandfather would always talk about how much he resented the commercialization of Christmas. And we are not a religious family, but he was just like, gosh, they'll just try to make money off of everything. And I I feel like the world was like, hold my beer. I'm going to go harder on the commercialization (laughs) of Christmas. Uh Just wait, right? But but like even back then, he was just like, oh, it's like the wrapping paper and the cards and the presents and all of this. Like it just really bothered him. And this is what we see with Halloween. In fact, it maybe happened in a shorter window because the commercialization of Christmas actually started about 
a little bit more than 100 years ago. And Halloween was like, we're going to get into this in the 80s. You know, like hasn't been as long. And it happened really hard. It's like a hard commercialization where everything that could be Halloween themed is being sold to us. And what we have is the power to say, no, we're not going to do that. We love Halloween and we're going to do it in a different way that isn't a part of that. Because the thing is, all of these phenomena that take place, like the commercialization of Christmas, like this rapid and egregious commercialization of Halloween, is that it doesn't happen if people aren't buying into it. If Target has a bad year this year with Halloween and they don't sell any costumes or throw pillows or underwear or whatever, they're gonna buy a lot less next year. And if it's still slow next year, They're going to buy even less the next year after that and so on. And so when we move away from this, when we really like take back Halloween, what we really do is contribute to this larger process of decommercializing the holiday. And it all starts, it just starts with us. You know, that's why we're putting the we back in Halloween. Yes. I love that. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So Maggie, we have a great conversation that we have recorded as part of this extravaganza with Ruby. So why don't we listen to that? Awesome. Let's do it. All right, Ruby, why don't you remind everyone of who you are? Sure. Hi, my name is Ruby Gertz. My pronouns are she, her. Um, And I'm a tailor, pattern maker, fashion designer based in the Philadelphia area. I have a company called Spokes and Stitches um, that started out as an indie sewing pattern company back uh, in the pandemic days of 2020. Um, (laughs) And then I, yeah, ended up uh, doing that for about a year, year and a half. Um, And then going into working at a production studio that makes like props and uh, costumes for film and television. Uh, And now I am back to full-time self-employment at Spokes and Stitches. This is kind of take two. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I'm so excited about this, Ruby, because the first time I like met you, which we didn't really meet, but the first time I heard your voice was when you submitted an audio essay last year. (laughs) So like not even a full year ago, really. Um, do you want to tell us what that audio essay is about? And it's okay if you don't remember, because I record whole episodes and don't remember <laughs> what I said. Sure. No, I, I do remember, um, because it was incredibly vulnerable. And as soon as I submitted it, I was like, oh no, did I really just do that? Should I take it back? Like, what if it actually makes it onto the podcast? And it did. Um, <laughs> and you did such a beautiful job just like couching it in such a lovely and like compassionate, um, sort of narrative. Um, But yeah, it was about student loan debt and it was about financial risk taking. And um, I believe kind of the crux of it was that I was talking about how I had pursued small business and entrepreneurship for about a year, year and a half. Um, And I think around that time was the time that I decided to go work full time um, at a different company um, because I was just having so much financial anxiety. Um, The student debt deferment that had been active like during the pandemic um i mean it's been it's been a whole year since then um but at that time you know (laughs) the government was saying oh we're about to like bring the payments back Mm -hmm. and i just was kind of panicking and didn't really know what to do and wasn't bringing in enough money from my small business to cover that 
Um, and so, yeah, here we are a year later and the student loan payments are now officially back on as of like this month, actually. Um, mm -hmm. But there are, you know, there have been some other um, actions put into place. There's like the save plan now so that a lot of people's debt is like a much lower monthly payment. Um, so yeah, my debt didn't mysteriously go away or anything. Um, but I believe that was the, the crux of what that audio essay was about a year ago. It really resonated with me, actually, because what you're really talking about is like, how frightening, how difficult it can be to run a small business if you're not like sitting on a pile of money. Mm -hmm. It's scary, right? Because because of these things, because if you have a bad month, how do you pay your bills, Absolutely. right? Or if you're just getting started, how do you make enough money to pay your bills? And there's there's no sense of security, <laughs> unfortunately, right? And like I myself, I mean, I was talking to you both about this before we started recording, you know, I multiple times was like, okay, I'm going out on my own. I'm working by myself. I did that in like 2018. I did it again in 2020, 2021 after I lost my job. And now I'm doing it again. And it was because every time when I was finally starting to settle into a rhythm of it, I would become afraid. And at that moment, someone would swoop in and offer me yep. a job. <laughs> Every single time, right? And I would always regret yeah. it. I would always regret taking that job. So that is why your audio essay resonate, resonated so much with me because my entire adult life, my friends have been like, you should open your own boutique. You should start your own business. You're so like, you know things and you know product. And like, why do you do this for other people? And I was just, I was just like, I don't, I don't have the freedom, the financial freedom to do that. And also like there were many points where I didn't know exactly what I'd want to do anyway. And like, why would you just start a business unless you were certain about yeah. it, right? Mm -hmm. So I am like beyond excited. Maggie and I were cheering so hard when we found out that you were like doing your own thing. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing yeah. now? Oh, thank you so much. That warms my heart to hear that. Because <laughs> um, like you said, it can, be, it can be very lonely and scary out there in the world of self-employment. <laughs> yeah, so I have uh, been bringing Spokes and Stitches back. Um, I actually found a studio space um, that is miraculously like a couple blocks block from my house um, <laughs> in the Germantown neighborhood of Philadelphia. Um, and it's pretty affordable. And I'm actually splitting it um, with a friend of mine who also has a slow fashion business called Touch Threads. Uh, which is a super cool upcycling business. Um, you should check them out. Um, their name is Moth, and they make these like really incredible, um, beautiful, artful garments. And I've actually been like a customer of theirs for a couple of years, so it was very, it was very exciting when they, you know, suggested that we like go have these on the studio space. Um, so in the studio, I'm going to be offering uh, custom tailoring. So I specialize in clothing and costume design that's like size to fit. Um, I really enjoy designing for all bodies across the size and gender spectrums. Um, it's really important to me that I, you know, include larger bodies in my work, especially as a plus size person myself. Um, in addition to doing custom, uh, commissions, I'm also offering mending and alteration services. Um, I also still have the PDF sewing patterns for sale on my website that I designed in 2020 and 2021. Um, and then kind of the biggest thing is that I'm starting to offer slow fashion workshops in the space. Um, and I believe that Moth is going to be offering some slow fashion workshops as well. We both have like 
kind of nice complementary skill sets in that regard. Um, so a lot of classes about pattern making, about sewing, uh, getting people to, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there who are curious about starting to sew their own clothes or like maybe have like seen some cool stuff on Instagram and like want to dip their toe in the water or they've started, but like there's just something really nice about coming together in community to like work on these creative projects. Um, so yeah, so I've got a bunch of workshops on my books for October and into November. Uh, and I'm super excited about it. <laughs> I mean, I am so excited for you. Like I, I feel like what you're offering is something that so many people want and need and they don't know where to find it. And I'm just, it's like on top of this being like, an amazing time for you to like not have to like work for the man anymore. <laughs> I feel like it's like you're also getting this time to like the public as a whole is getting the benefit of your experience and knowledge, which they couldn't get before when you were working all the time. So <laughs> I'm excited. And I know Maggie is too, although Maggie's on silent because she has a pull muscle. <laughs> well, I, I will say, so two things I'm excited about that I heard Ruby, as you were sharing, like, your commute is no longer oh my gosh. to work. That's yeah, huge. That is huge. That is like <laughs> massive life upgrade immediately. Seriously. Seriously. Immediately. My, my yeah. partner Travis was actually saying like, this is, we're into week two, but last week was like week one. And on Friday, he was like, you just see him so much more chill and like so much happier. <laughs> and I was like, it's because I haven't Yay! spent an hour yeah. in the car. Like, being like, you know, in traffic with a bunch of angry people in our like metal steel screamy rage boxes hurtling down the highway trying to get home. Um, <laughs> so yeah, much improved. The other thing that stuck out to me was you mentioned costume design specifically for all body body types and gender expressions. And you know, it's it's Halloween mm -hmm. time, right? It's Halloween season. And I just think about the the lack of offerings, um, lack of mm -hmm. variety, just like lack of ready-made resources out there for people who do like like we, right? Uh, I'm a plus-size person too. You know, I store-bought costumes aren't mm -hmm. sufficient; they won't cut it, you know. Um, but also, how exciting and cool and creative to like develop a vision from scratch and see that come to life. And like, you're helping yeah. people do that. That is, that makes my heart <laughs> swell up. <laughs> I love Me, that. Uh, it's so great. It's so great. So we brought you here today. Well, we didn't bring you here but to this <laughs> virtual place where we're all together right now to talk about specifically the Halloween costume studio times yeah. that you're having, because we, of course, we were like super stoked to hear that you were doing your own thing now. But then we were like, wait, <laughs> and there's Halloween. Oh, my God. Yeah. So we wanted to hear like a little bit like what made you decide, you know, like this is like things are just getting started that you were like, OK, I'm definitely including Halloween in the schedule of events. <laughs> yeah, great question. So I I've had like halloween fomo for the past like i don't know most of my adult life um because for up until the pandemic i was actually working in college admissions um which meant i did a lot of fall uh. travel because i'd be going to all these recruiting events and so mm -hmm. pretty much like every year for like almost a decade i just like missed halloween um because halloween weekend would always like coincide with all these big college fairs and i'd be in some random city with like people i didn't know um and it was always really hard mm -hmm. to like make time to celebrate halloween 
Um, I'm also like an art school kid. So, you know, like all of my friends are like super into Halloween and like making their own costumes. I have a lot of creative people in my life. Um, so this year when I realized I was like looking at my calendar and like realizing like I could actually do something for Halloween this year, um, I got super excited and I was like, okay, I always like wait until the last minute. Um, and so I thought, okay, in order to hold myself accountable, I'm going to like pick a weekend and schedule out some time to spend on a Halloween costume and I want to invite folks to join me. Um, so I've blocked out mm -hmm. some time on uh, it's like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's October 6th, 7th, and 8th. Um, there's three hours each day that I've blocked out that's kind of just like open studio time. Um, and I'm inviting people to come join me and like make costumes with me. And if you need help sewing, if you need help like coming up with ideas, um, I was literally working at a place for the past year that like does costumes professionally. Um, so I feel like I have a pretty good sense of how to like make something quick on the fly versus, you know, if we want to do something more tailored and involved. Um, so yeah, I just think it's going to be super fun. Um, it's also, it's a, the classes for adults only. So I think that's kind of unique. Um, I know Maggie and mm -hmm. I were talking a little bit about how like there's sometimes this like vibe that like Halloween is only for children. Like, it's sort of like, I don't know, like, I think adults sometimes don't see how it can be like fun and exciting for them to participate. Mm -hmm. um, especially for like, those of us who don't have kids, like I'm childless by choice. And um, I know, you know, a yeah, lot of other people same. are too. Yeah. And it's like, I still want to have fun. It's still like a really cool holiday yeah. to dress up and, um, and be creative. So yeah, so that was kind of how I came to the, the costume sew along event idea was kind of just really wanting to do it myself and then being like oh this would actually be more fun if i like included other people with me and like kind of made a thing out of it so i'll have some supplies there um you know there'll be like some hot glue guns and sewing machines and thread and you know scissors stuff like that um but i'm asking folks to like bring their own materials and bring their own costume ideas so you can come and you know kind of figure out what you want to make together um I'm also super, super lucky that my, my studio um, is just a block away from a really awesome thrift store um, called Bargain Thrift. Ooh. Yeah, and they have an amazing selection. It's a really great kind of like small local store. It's not one of the big chains. Um, so they've got an amazing selection of stuff. I've, I've noticed that they've already started to put out some holiday, like Halloween themed stuff. Um, and there's also a fabric store, like another three blocks down the street. So there's a lot of materials nearby close at hand. So people can just run and grab something if they're like, Oh, I actually need, you know, some black fabric or something. Um, it'll be really easy to do that. You said it's a, a BYO ideas mm -hmm. kind of environment, <laughs> so bring your own ideas. <laughs> I'm really curious because I'm thinking about our listeners and thinking about the timeline. That might be an area where people get kind of stumped or maybe feel shy. Like how, I don't know, when you said thrift store, this is kind of what triggered my question. I was thinking, some of my best costumes historically have been inspired by like a singular mm, garment mm -hmm. that I saw on the rack at a thrift store. And it's like, this piece makes me think of this character or this vibe or whatever. And it just, I took it and ran with it. So I'm curious, Ruby, how you approach your own costume ideas. Like what does that ideation process look like and how can we, how can we encourage others to like really 
deep dive into their imaginations and like find find just the right idea for them this year yeah totally i i hear you like sometimes having infinite options is like almost too it's almost <laughs> limiting you know like it's overwhelming yeah, um, yeah i love your idea maggie of like finding one sort of like key piece and like using that as inspiration um I've been thinking about that with my own wardrobe, just like, what do I already have that I could wear that I'm, I'd be excited to wear? Um, I'm not, I haven't 100% committed to this idea yet, but I do have this very fun, sparkly pink jumpsuit that I made myself like three years ago. Um, <laughs> and I saw, um, I was just like scrolling on Pinterest for costume ideas, which is a great source, by the way, if you're looking for inspiration. Um, Definitely. A lot of really good yeah. stuff and like cool vintage costumes and like fun, you know, old photographs of people like in all kinds of creative garb. Um, but I saw something that was sort of like somebody had made this hat that was almost like it looked like a shrimp cocktail hat. <laughs> it was really funny. It was like it was like this red felt hat and it had these like sort of like sculptural pink shrimps around it. Um and I sort of thought, oh my gosh, like I have this sparkly pink jumpsuit, like maybe I'll be a shrimp and I'll just make like a cool like helmet. <gasps> I love this. I love this. Not enough people are dressing like shrimp, you know? I know. And it's funny. I'm a vegetarian. I don't even eat shrimp. But I was just like, this would be really fun to, like, make the little, like, shrimp head and, like, some sort of, like, head headdress mask thing with, like, the antenna. Um, So that's something I'm considering. It's a strong contender. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it works with, like, something I already have in my closet. It's like I'm only having to really, like, fabricate, Mm -hmm. like, one element of it um and yeah i think that's like a great place to start is like instead of starting completely from scratch of like oh my gosh i have to make like a shirt and pants and i have to find the right shoes and i have to find the right accessories it's like see what you already have and then find the pieces that you can like get really creative with to kind of jazz it up and bring it more into like costume realm it's funny it it works the same in reverse like i i also love that like mixed area of like costumes and everyday clothing um last summer i went to a costume shop i was i went specifically to like source a few items for this photo shoot project this branding photo shoot for a client and the person that went with me happened to see this dress like from across the store was like oh my gosh it just screamed maggie and i looked over and it was like for a mini mouse costume (laughs) it was very pink very bold polka dots, like exaggerated Peter Pan collar. I was That's like, a Maggie sold. dress. Yeah. <laughs> sold. So like, it's technically a costume piece that I've mm-hmm. incorporated into every day, but it also means that I could resurrect that thing and incorporate it into a costume at some point in the future. Like it kind of serves, you know, both purposes. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, best time of year shopping the Halloween <laughs> the thrift store it's like disappointing when you go to a thrift store and it's only like new halloween costumes on the rack and nothing else because you're like oh i've been waiting all year for this moment (laughs) i just keep thinking about as an entrepreneur small business owner who works from home i'm sitting at my computer like how many memes have we seen that's like you know are you in shrimp mode (laughs) like curled up you know like shoulders hunched yeah so like, oh my gosh like a shrimp barbie yeah, hybrid i was just, I I was just thinking that maggie i was like why don't i be shrimp barbie <laughs> um i think shrimp barbie is hilarious like if you made little foam shrimp and just like pinned them all over your jumpsuit oh that is so weird 
You know what it's I mean? It's kind of a weird play on words to like shrimp on the Barbie, but like. Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> we should be getting paid like a million dollars for these ideas. Yeah, where are our sponsorships? Oh Hello? My God. Um, <laughs> Why aren't we being sponsored by the shrimp industry? That's hilarious. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, and I think that's like another, like, we kind of stumbled upon something here, which is like, don't be limited by Mm -hmm. what the world is suggesting as costumes out there. Because, like, what makes the best costume and is actually, like, the most fun to make is something that you think is really funny or clever or interesting, you know? Like, I think, especially, like, if you are assigned female at birth, you are given this, like, subset of costumes that you're supposed to wear, right? You know what I'm talking about. And, And it's, like, you always have to think about, like, how aesthetically pleasing will I be to others? Mm-hmm. It's like you got to get the male gaze into your Halloween costume. <laughs> and I would say, like, no, just something you think is, like, funny. That may, if Even if it only makes you laugh the whole time you're working on it, isn't that the kind of good time we all need? Absolutely. Right? Well, so that reminds me, and I this was actually some some pushback, I guess, I, I heard in another group community. They were talking about Halloween costumes, and this person was – like distraught, really worried that um, like the costume that they had chosen was too obscure. They're like, people aren't going to recognize me in those instances. I think it's a really cool opportunity because then you get to really geek out and tell people like, you know, the Mm -hmm. cool factor, like you're automatically cool because you know, like it has that personal meaning to you. It's a conversation starter. Like if someone's like, Oh, what are you? Lean into it. Tell them every detail, you know? Um, I just, I think that's cool. You don't have to be instantly recognizable. That's, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's a really good call out because, like, okay, so you don't know this yet, Ruby, but the theme of this episode is putting the we back in Halloween. <laughs> and so it's about, like, bringing back, like, the people component of it, yeah. right? So honestly, I mean, like, when you were talking about people working on their costumes together and, like, collaborating and helping you, how you could help people problem solve and just to be working in the same space as one another is, like, such a pleasurable idea in the first place. But it also, like, it's good f- it's good for us to collaborate on these things and, like, help one another, right? And, like, stimulate our creativity. It's just, like, feels mm-hmm. good. And it's very, like... It's a great use of, like, community. But on top of that, like, going out in your super obscure costume, like, if you went out as Shrimp Barbie, (laughs) right, people are like, what? You could be like, well, you know, like, Shrimp's on a Barbie or whatever. Like, this is how you connect with people, right? Like, you put the weave back in Halloween. (laughs) Totally. It makes me think, too, of, like, a lot of cosplayers that I follow on Instagram. And it's like, you know, cosplay doesn't always overlap with halloween sometimes it does sometimes it doesn't a lot of times these people Mm -hmm, are making these mm -hmm. costumes to like wear to you know these big cons that are happening um but a lot of times people who are like in that community they go so niche like i am always amazed at how it's like oh i'm like this marginal character in this video game from 12 years ago that like 20 people (laughs) played you know and it's like oh my gosh and you know and they take such joy in it like i feel like I mean, while a lot of those folks are making costumes at like this very, very high level, um, I feel like there's kind of a lot to be 
gathered from that community in terms of like inspiration and just like freedom of expression mm-hmm. and just like the joy in the making process and like the fabrication process. Um, and that like, it doesn't have to be totally perfect. It's like kind of about you taking pleasure in the experience. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I mean, don't you think kind of like, listen, we're all like making Halloween costumes all for like the build up to like what we're doing for Halloween and the parties we're going to go to or if we're even, you know, wearing them to work or sitting at home, whatever we're doing, right? It's like we see it as this build up to this like one moment, but really like the process of making the costume is sometimes like the best part. Like it's so, I don't know, when you when you get it, when you are there and you're like creative problem solving and then when you finish it. It feels so incredible. You're like, I made this myself. And it feels unlike just going out and buying a costume, which is like very much like it's this thing. It already exists. It's for this one moment. And then it's Mm -hmm. done. It's more like this bigger relationship that actually gives you more over time, you know? Definitely. Like you can you can rewear it year after year, too. And you can add to it. Like it doesn't have to be this one time Mm -hmm. thing that you like throw away or something, you know? Like it could be just like a wardrobe component that gets kind of added to the collection for like when I need a wacky costume, I pull out this piece. You feel out <laughs> Barbie. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Some of I my most that. treasured memories are like, um, of like my best friend, right. Coming over with like iron on letters. There was one year they did, um, they were going to be a camp crystal Lake counselor And, like, the inspiration was these very short soccer shorts, like athletic shorts. And they brought on, brought over iron-on letters and borrowed my ironing board and iron to, like, iron-on Camp Crystal Lake on the t-shirt. And last year when we did The Simpsons, they, it was, like, the soonest, the earliest they ever started on Halloween costume construction. But we had been planning it for months. They, like, hand-formed beads hand sculpted beads like giant oversized beads out of clay and painted them in a very custom color it was like this whole thing and so when they arrived at my house as we were getting ready we're like cutting the necklaces to a very specific length like on the fly and there are all these other little last minute details that came together and yeah it was fun to go out and wear our costume and take photos but like the lead up to it i really think was the most powerful and memorable part of the whole thing so yeah for this year's costume i am trying a binding garment for the first Mm. time Um, and i'll i'll share so i have done binding a few times in the past for different reasons um i think the first time i ever tried it was about 15 and it was for I mean, it was just just for fun. I wanted to kind of flirt with um, masculine gender presentation. I had this. I think it was mm-hmm. a corn shirt. Like the band. <laughs> corn. I mean, um, I knew. I knew it wasn't yeah. corn. The oh, best. I don't know. Yeah. That would be a great shirt, though. I would. I love yeah. the idea of Maggie playing an outfit around a shirt with corn on it, like the vegetable. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm really excited. I I found the binder secondhand. I haven't tried it yet. Today would have been the day, except I happened to pull a back oh, no. muscle, and that's I'm just not yeah. ready to. Not ready no, to go there. Um, definitely not yeah. the right time. But as far as process, um, 
acquisition is complete and that's for both my partner and myself. Like we, we generally start like in the spring brainstorming theme ideas and it, it hit really hard and fast this year. It was like, as soon as we landed on this idea, we just ran with it. And he, my partner, Scott has already done like a rough dress rehearsal. Like as his pieces have arrived, like he's, he's trying them on and, I haven't done that yet, which is, um, I'm looking at the, like the calendar. I'm like, by this point, I will have already done a trial run of makeup and like whatever. But, um, yeah. So a drum roll. <laughs> the, Wait, sorry. that's not a drum roll at all. Sorry, yeah. everyone. <laughs> the, the theme for my partner, my personal costume. So I do, I do something for, like outside of work. And then I have a whole other plan for the business, which I can share as well. But, um, the theme for this year is dead wrestlers. <laughs> okay. Um, I, this is, I like, this is like a yeah. concept, yeah. you know? Oh, it's very much. Yeah. So we, we were looking through like old WWE, I guess it's WWF now, formerly WWE, looking at old footage and photos. And there's this meme that was also part of the inspiration that I saw probably like 10 years ago of the ultimate warrior, like a close up of him. <gasps> and the caption read, I am dressed like a girl's bike. <laughs> Which uh, this is a true story, though. Yeah, it really, I mean, it stuck with me all this wow. time. So we landed on dead wrestlers as a theme. And I was like, well, there's no fuck. There's no question. I'm going to be the ultimate warrior. Um, there's another piece that goes into that, too. Like, I really was excited to challenge myself with a dramatic makeup look this mm. year. Um, so I'm definitely I'm going to test and flex my muscle. Uh, oh, gosh. Literally and figuratively, I guess, <laughs> uh, with the makeup, with the makeup this year. But um, Scott, my partner, is going to be Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, I love it! Is he going to snap into a Slim Jim? I believe well, that's yeah, the ad. There's a couple, couple of like catchphrases. He's not doing like the the Slim Jim like red yellow fringe themed mm -hmm. outfit. Um, it's more of like a loose interpretation, and we're both kind of like envisioning it's an out of the ring look you know like aging kind of um washed up you know both both of these men have, have since passed away obviously um but like what would like a 40 something 50 something like former pro wrestler look like now um so yeah it's i'm so freaking excited i think people will be very surprised um and I'm excited to try a like a a faux shirtless look. So Ruby, you'll appreciate this. Like one of the last uh, things that I have to solve for is like nipples and ab lines mm. on this like um, you know fleshy tan colored bodysuit <laughs> that I have because I have a bunch of tattoos everywhere. I wanted to make <laughs> sure that I had a clean slate. So am I going to do? fabric marker mm. like a stencil and then embroider them or am i mm. going to do like bead work Ooh. or like what i don't know yet um but that is an exciting yeah i've got to get the 
So trying a binder for the first time, I've got to try that on with the bodysuit and figure out positioning of the nipples and the, the ab lines. I do not have, <laughs> I don't have a six pack naturally. <laughs> um, but I'm also going to like stuff the bicep and tricep and like neck area of the bodysuit. So I look like mm-hmm. super swole, <laughs> you know, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be really fun. That yeah. Awesome. That's amazing. I'm like all for it. This is incredible. I love the idea of it. I'm really excited. <laughs> the beaded nipple. <laughs> beaded nipples. Nipples. Yeah. So do you all want to hear what my plans are for the business yes. for my blog content series? Too? Yeah. Tell us. All right. So this will be styloween year three is this is an annual series um the first year i was just sort of experimenting like how many costumes can i create out of only what's in my closet and then last year i like kind of took a more personal angle and it was costumes inspired by my personal style icons again only using items from my closet so this year I'm doubling down on the personal. Um, it'll be Styloween, the old haunts edition. And basically Ooh. I am reimagining and kind of recreating what in the nineties I felt like were my most iconic looks, but were actually quite tragic and <laughs> oh, unfortunate. I love this so much. <laughs> so it's like, if I'd had the resources and maybe the encouragement and, you know, all of those things in those days, what might it look mm. like now? So it's kind of like not revisionist history, but a little bit like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying again, like take two, you know, of these nineties inspired outfits. So yeah. That's so cool. This is amazing. Yeah. I'm, I cannot wait for this. <laughs> Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Ruby, for spending some time and telling us about what you're doing. We'll be sure to include all of your stuff in the show notes uh, so everyone can find you and take advantage of your services. And, you know, I don't know. I'm just excited to see where everything goes with you. Yeah. Know that we're all of us here are are rooting for you. And if you need us to remind you not to take a dumb job, <laughs> we're here to do that for all you anytime, twenty four seven. I'll probably take you up on it. I, yes. I like could we like all go in to crowd crowdfund a one eight hundred number that just plays a recording, like don't, don't do, do it. it, you know? <laughs> you got yeah. this, like Abundance over scarcity. Yeah, exactly. Don't forget who you are. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. No, no, it can't be. What are you doing out here? Let's take a moment to thank some of the incredible small businesses who keep Close Horse going via their generous Patreon support. Selena Sanders, a social impact brand that specializes in upcycle clothing using only reclaimed vintage or thrifted materials from tea towels, linens, blankets, and quilts. Sustainably crafted in Los Angeles, each piece is designed to last in one's closet for generations to come. Maximum style, minimal carbon footprint. Shift clothing out of beautiful Astoria, Oregon, with a focus on natural fibers, simple hardworking designs, and putting fat people first. Discover more at shiftwheeler.com. Late to the party, creating one-of-a-kind statement clothing from vintage, salvaged, and thrifted textiles. They hope to tap into the dreamy memories we all hold. Floral curtains, a childhood dress, 
the wallpaper in your best friend's rec room, all while creating modern, sustainable garments that you'll love wearing and have for years to come. Late to the Party is passionate about celebrating and preserving textiles, the memories they hold, and the stories they have yet to tell. Check them out on Instagram at Late to the Party People. Vino Vintage, based just outside of LA. We love the hunt of shopping secondhand because you never know what you might find. Catch us at flea markets around Southern California by following us on Instagram at vino.vintage so you don't miss our next event. Gabriela Antonis is a visual artist, an upcycler, and a fashion designer. But Gabriela Antonis is also a feminist micro-business with radical ideals. She's the one-woman band trying to help you understand why slow fashion is what the world needs. If you find yourself in New Orleans, Louisiana, you may buy her ready-to-wear upcycle garments in person at the store Slow Down at 2855 Magazine Street. Slowdown NOLA only sells vintage and slow fashion from local designers, and Gabriella's garments are guaranteed to be in stock in person, but they also have a website, so you may support this woman-owned and run business from wherever you are. If you're interested in Gabriella making a one-of-a-kind garment for you, DM her on Instagram at slowfashiongabriella to book a consultation. Please follow her on Instagram at slowfashiongabriella. That's Gabriella with one L. Dylan Page is an online clothing and lifestyle brand based out of St. Louis, Missouri. Our products are chosen with intention for the conscious community. Everything we carry is animal-friendly, ethically made, sustainably sourced, and cruelty-free. Dylan Page is for those who never stop questioning where something comes from. We know that personal experience dictates what's sustainable for you, and we are here to help guide and support you to make choices that fit your needs. Check us out at dylanpage.com and find us on Instagram at dylanpagelifeandstyle. Salt Hats, purveyors of truly sustainable hats, hand-blocked, sewn, and embellished in Detroit, Michigan. Find us on Instagram at Salt Hats. Gentle Vibes Vintage. We are purveyors of polyester and psychedelic relics. We encourage experimentation and play not only in your wardrobe, but in your home too. We have thousands of killer vintage pieces ready for their next adventure. See them all on Instagram at Gentle Vibes Vintage. Thumbprint is Detroit's only fair trade marketplace located in the historic Eastern Market. Our small business specializes in products handmade by empowered women in South Africa, making a living wage, creating things they love like hand-painted candles and ceramics. We also carry a curated assortment of sustainable and natural locally made goods. Thumbprint is a great gift destination for both the special people in your life and for yourself. Browse our online store at thumbprintdetroit.com and find us on Instagram at thumbprintdetroit. High Energy Vintage is a fun and funky vintage shop located in Somerville, Massachusetts, just a few minutes away from downtown Boston. They offer a highly curated selection of bright and colorful clothing and accessories from the 1940s to the 1990s for people of all genders. Husband and wife duo Wiley and Jessamy handpick each piece for quality and style with a focus on pieces that transcend trends and will find a home in your closet for many years to come. 
In addition to clothing, the shop also features a large selection of vintage vinyl and old school video games. Find them on Instagram at High Energy Vintage, online at highenergyvintage.com, and at markets in and around Boston. Vagabond Vintage DTLV is a vintage clothing, accessories, and decor reselling business based in downtown Las Vegas, Nevada. Not only do we sell in Las Vegas, but we're also located throughout resale markets in San Francisco, as well as at a curated boutique called Lux and Ivy located in Indianapolis, Indiana. Jessica, the founder and owner of Vagabond Vintage DTLV, recently opened the first IRL location located in the Arts District of downtown Las Vegas on August 5th. The shop has a strong emphasis on 60s and 70s garments, single stitch tees, and dreamy loungewear. Follow them on Instagram at Vagabond Vintage DTLV and keep an eye out for their website coming fall of 2022. Thank you so much, Ruby, for taking the time to tell us all about uh, your new project, your new business, your Halloween uh, sewing sessions. I'm so excited about this. I actually, I don't know about you, Maggie, but we recorded this conversation with Ruby a couple weeks ago, and she has been posting so much incredible content on Instagram about all of the cool stuff she's been doing in her workshop. And I am just like, I think I have FOMO. Like I want to move to Philadelphia just so I can participate. I I just told, so we we had a call this morning actually to catch up. It's been a while since we have, you know, talked one-on-one and I was like, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm a little pissed, you know, cause I am not big on traveling, but like, I wish, I wish that Philly was closer to here or that Washington was closer to Philly. Cause yeah, um, major FOMO, definitely. Um, but I'm trying to channel that to an excitement, like vicariously through other people. Like if you're in the Philly area, check Ruby out. Um, she's got some cool stuff going on for yeah. Halloween, but also other programming throughout the year um, in her new studio. So, yeah. Yeah, this is just the beginning. I can't wait to see what happens next for Ruby. Maggie, you're really more of the specialist expert here. Some best practices around selecting a costume. If we're going to say we're opting out of this commercialization of Halloween, we are going to hiss every time we drive past a spirit (laughs) of Halloween, which Mm -hmm. we should. I like the idea of like winding down my window as I drive by and hearing the hisses. That would be amazing. Uh, Where do you think people should start when it comes to creating their own costume? So... Before I answer that question, I just want to like draw a little bit of a distinction. So earlier we were talking about how do you get yourself into the spirit if you're not feeling the season, particularly in this moment. I know, Amanda, you know, you've gone out and looked in thrift stores. You've kind of gone out into the world and made observations and kind of like taken that energy back home to kind of, you know, feed that spirit. I, I would say I would give the opposite advice for trying to figure out a costume like instead of looking in shops or you know spaces where clothing is being sold for ideas i know this is weird but like look (laughs) internally i would say start with your closet and this can sometimes be challenging for people especially those who 
you know, well, like us, right? We wear, wear and rewear the same things over and over. And they have like, you know, there's specific combinations that work for every day. It might be hard to see things in different ways. Mm-hmm. So I would say keep an open mind. That's the biggest thing. Like really tap into any creative energy and imagination that you have and kind of let your eyes guide you. If, if anything sparks even the smallest little nugget of an idea, you have a starting point. So yeah, I would say take in, take an inventory of what's in your closet and also kind of just look around your house. There may be random objects, like everyday mm-hmm. objects that could be reimagined or refashioned or restyled in different ways for, you know, components of your Halloween costume. Um, I'm trying to, so okay, this is kind of funny. We have, we have a karaoke machine because Halloween costumes are one of my favorite pastimes, but also so is singing and karaoke. So <laughs> had to have, actually, this is, this is a funny story to kind of bring it full circle for Halloween. The karaoke machine was a gift. It was a form of payment in exchange for my planning a Halloween party for this business a few years ago. Ooh, so okay. It was great. I like this. Little barter yeah. deal. Um, anyway, so I'm thinking about this karaoke machine. We don't use it very often. It's great to know that it's there, but it also has a real microphone. And I'm telling you, the microphone as a prop <laughs> has gotten more action than the karaoke machine <laughs> in itself, like its original purpose. So just taking one tiny example, this microphone looking at it as inspiration for a costume, I can think of like probably a handful of ideas off the top of my head. Like listeners, you, you all tuning in here, think of a microphone, like how many different characters, scenes involving a microphone, how many ideas can you come up with? Um, like newscaster, rock star, talk show host or game show host, keynote speaker, sports announcer. And all of these things could be like, their original form or you could also zombify them and then you have like twice the ideas around just True. one single single object the microphone um yeah instead of like focusing on trends like i think amanda you might have mentioned barbie earlier in this conversation there's going to be a lot of barbies out there this year right with the movie oh, yeah there's going to be a lot of kins and different variations of those so i don't know i always think of prom in this scenario like i don't want to show up and end up being in the same dress as some other person wearing the same outfit like how how can i sort of set myself apart and the way you do that is again like looking internally for inspiration so like brainstorm some things just like give yourself a little time and space to come up with ideas like you're not married to any of them this is just a brainstorming session no such thing as a bad idea right just see what comes mm-hmm. out um i would suggest doing that versus trying to see like what's popular or hot right now you know um so like the barbie example if there's a personal connection like to nostalgia that time of your life like if dolls have some sort of personal significance to you maybe there are other alternatives alternatives besides barbie like uh, mm-hmm. I know Gumby is not a doll, a doll, but like when I think of figures, like action figures that are representative of like my childhood, I always think of Gumby. 
um, strawberry shortcake would be super cute and easy. Amanda, oh my god, you have so much pink and red stuff. You could probably put together a strawberry shortcake costume. Yeah, I, I'm putting this on the list because okay. I am ch- – so I am challenging myself. We're going to go over to the storage unit sometime this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to pull out all my bins of, like, my Lolita clothes oh, and yeah. make – up. it's going to be, like, cute ween I'm going to make costumes out of them, and I did thrift – a great basket this weekend that's going to go with a lot of them. So I'm excited to just put together. And then I said, Dustin, like, I guess we're just like a week straight. We're going to go somewhere every day in our costumes. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, strawberry shortcake, amazing costume idea. And I never see it. I never Um, see it. Cabbage patch, of course. Right. Like Mm kind of similar era, but also, I mean, you could be the kid that resurrects the garbage pail kids. Um, yeah. You know, the, oh my gosh, if, with a group of your friends. Yeah, with a group of be, your friends, that would be the best. Yeah. Um, as far as other best practices, so I'm, I'm like, I'm pretty big on rejecting conformity. In case that's not obvious, so like, <laughs> I'm not anti Barbie. I think if you're gonna do Barbie, like, do some sort of unique spin on it. Um, yes. You know. Maybe the Barbie that you wish Mattel had created that's, like, representative of you or someone important in your life that, like, we never see on the shelves. Like, what would your your original Barbie be? Um, I also would say, like, cultural implications are really important and, like, social cues. Uh, we're going to have a chance to talk a little bit later with another guest uh, in part two of this episode we'll talk a bit about cultural appropriation and cultural appreciation. But I think just having that awareness as you're brainstorming your ideas, or maybe the second step after brainstorming when you're like vetting the possibilities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, consider the impact that they'll have on, it may have on other people. Like, are you honoring and revering a specific community or type of person, or are you mocking and insulting that group of people, right? With your costume choice. I think yes. that's really important. Um, I really struggled, for example, in 2022, um, it's my first ever group costume and we were going as Simpsons characters. Like we had planned it probably like a year out. Uh, we were kind of aiming for this goal and I'm like, of course, Simpsons characters are yellow and like we want to be mm-hmm. true to the original and we have to be really, really careful, especially if we're doing face paint, like, you know, making our entire yes. our bodies yellow. Um, so it had to be like very bold, very cartoonish, no chance that anyone could could think that we were anything other than cartoon characters. Um, so just, again, these are examples, small examples, but I think the, the general principles apply uh, when you're thinking about costume choices, for sure. Okay, so Maggie, I did give you forewarning of this, but I thought we could just like rapid fire, uh, take a couple minutes to just throw out some random costume inspiration ideas that ideally you might be able to make from stuff that's already in your house. And if you if you use one of these costume ideas, you have to send us a photo so we feel validated. <laughs> yes, please, ta- please tag us, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so one idea I had was that you could dress as your favorite color. So you would wear head to toe that color. Like, for example, pink is my favorite color. So I would wear pink clothing, pink shoes, pink socks, pink jewelry. And then I would take it to the next level by going around my house and finding pink objects to like 
tape or pin to my clothes or carry with me? Mm, I love that. Um, I was thinking of like a, a white coat, which is pretty like specialized. I don't know if people have a white coat, but like mad scientist, doctor, um, you could be like a graduate student who works in a lab, right? Like working on <laughs> yeah, some um, that's a good one. cool, like sci-fi project. I don't know. Um, I, so I'm, I'm actually thinking about my styloween series this year, like looking at everyday clothing as pieces of costumes. Like I have a lot of overalls, right? Overalls mm. are pretty versatile. They could yeah. be like, they could be, a, you could be a toddler, right? Like an overgrown, oversized toddler. <laughs> um, certainly you could do like the undead spin on that and do some some version of Chucky or like one of his friends or something like that. Um, <laughs> if you have like a vintage apron collection, I know some folks who are big into vintage aprons, you could... Kind of do a, a spin on like Stepford wife or like 1950s Ooh. housewife. Again, you you know, if you did the undead version, like with mm -hmm. makeup, you have kind of two options there. If you had like a navy blazer and any sort of like workish pants or skirt, you could easily be Kathy from the Kathy comics and you could make a little speech bubble out of cardboard that said Ack and like attach it to yourself or carry it around all night. If people are like, who are you? You could be like Ack and then they would know. They might not know because they might not follow Kathy. But anyway, blazer. Yeah, blazer's really versatile. I mean, you could be you yeah. could be a professor, like a college professor. Um you could be a librarian, uh, maybe a flight attendant. Um, and I think Navy Blue, mm, like, classic. you know. Um, yeah, yeah. You could be a bank oh, teller. Definitely a bank teller, <laughs> yes. Like corporate executive, <laughs> Wall Street mogul or something like. Yeah, um, yeah. Madison Avenue advertising executive. You could also swap clothes with someone in your life and dress as each other. Okay, so that that is super fun. Um, and, you know, I know yeah. we have a lot of diverse listeners out there, like, experimenting with different genders is absolutely an experience um, that I think could can be potentially appreciated by, by all people. Like, I've had a lot of fun going through my partner's wardrobe, which is... I mean, <laughs> between us, like you, me, and our thousands of listeners or whatever, he's he's kind of stuck in the 90s, which is cool. Like, that was <laughs> such an influential part of my just, like, evolution of style. So, you know, going back to old band t-shirts and ripped jeans and flannel, like, you could easily be a, a grunge rocker or, like, I don't know, um... So one of the guesses I got on my costume this year was like a, a club kid, you know? Oh, um, so good. That's such a good yeah, one. Yeah, and, and easy, you know, fairly easy with yeah. like everyday items. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think like, you know, I, I threw this one out last year, but I still stand by it. Uh, dressing as what your animal companion would look like as a human is endless enjoyment and often like you have the stuff around the house like when I think about it I mean we have this joke 
we have really complicated backstories for all of our pets, to be fair. But like, we do joke that Brenda, who is, you know, my like, best friend, Brenda in real life would wear Cookie Monster pajamas and a Flyers jersey at all times. And I don't have either of those. But I could definitely dress like Janet, who we think has a more cottage core aesthetic. So, you know, that's could be a fun and very weird, <laughs> weird costume that people actually would like want to talk to you about. <laughs> that's gotten, that's got me get, you know, got my gears turning. Like I had not considered that before. And I do remember you mentioning it last year, but I haven't, I haven't taken time to think about what, what my pets, like what my animals personificate, you know, personified versions would be like, what would they wear? How would they talk? What would their catchphrase be? But also like their go-to props, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. When you were talking about overalls, it made me think of Hutch because we always like her like, oh, he's like a like a farmer boy. Like he would wear he would wear uh, overalls with like no shirt. <laughs> That's that, and, and that's his aesthetic. Um, but we, de- I mean, we also have like really elaborate backstories for all of our cats. Like our one cat, Ray. We say that he, his favorite favorite band is The Doors, oh. and we had this joke for a long time that he worked the night shift at Sheets making food, which was kind of gross because he's really unhygienic, oh. um, you know. And uh, like our other cat, George, she worked at the laundromat in town because she's like really fastidious and liked clean it was like the cleanest laundromat we'd ever been to we were like this is totally where george works you know <laughs> so anyway uh <laughs> we we come up we come up with stories so uh maybe you do that too and that is a costume idea and maybe not everybody will get it but when you start telling it to them they'll be really excited and it'll like make them think about their pets and it's like kind of like a conversation yeah. starter um which is the whole point of all of this i think so too yeah like don't don't worry if people don't know at a glance right that's that is the easy way to do Halloween. If you're putting the people back, if you're, we're putting the we back in Halloween, like we want this to be about conversation. Like the more, the more personal and obscure and inventive and creative you can be like, yeah, like stump your fellow party growers, you know, like let that be the challenge. Like hopefully they won't recognize you because then you have something cool to talk about. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that is the whole point of it all. Right. Um, I'm sure that Maggie and I will have a million more uh, ideas that pop up as we're talking. But uh, if you all have some ideas, send them our way so that we can I can share them on social media. Because I think sometimes people get really stuck. You just get stuck when you can have any idea in the world, right? And uh, it's something that Dustin and I talk a lot about when you're like working with a client on a creative project and they don't give you like enough parameters. They're sort of like, oh, you can just do anything. Well, you don't want me to do anything in the world, right? It's too many options and you're not gonna like what I give you, but also like it's gonna take me forever to get to that one idea. And I feel like it's the same way with costumes, like actually putting some parameters in place, like saying, oh, I'm only going to use stuff that comes in the house that I have in the house already, or I'm only going to use something that integrates these striped socks or whatever. Like it, it helps. It helps you. You can pick a decade, pick an era, like, you know, Mm -hmm. give yourself a little bit of direction so you can kind of like guide that, that brainstorming process. And it's challenging, but it's also really, really fun. It flexes your, your intellectual muscles and you know, your creative stamina, (laughs) fortitude. Yes, yes, yes. 
Okay, let's take a moment or many moments to listen to my conversation with Meredith, who was on our first ever Close Horse Saves Halloween episode. She literally decorates every part of her house every year. She takes Halloween very seriously. And I think she's got a lot of great advice and inspiration for all of you about how you can have a fabulous Halloween and be less wasteful. Meredith, you've been around here a few times. People know that you love Spencer's and dildos and I don't know what else. Anyway, whatever it is body, you like. Body stockings, for you sure. love body stockings. <laughs> uh, do you want to just remind everyone who you are? Sure. Hi, everyone. It's good to talk to you through the internet once again. Um, I've been on Clothes Horse a, a good handful amount of times. Uh, by trade, I'm a technical designer. Um, so I work on fit and pattern and all that fun stuff, get those clothes fitting as best as possible before they hit those shelves. Um, but in my free time, I like to still do all of the cutting and sewing, but just for myself, um, (laughs) I like to take fabric scraps and turn them into new things. I like to take old stuff that I have laying around and turn it into new things and, the reason of today's podcast, of course, Halloween is my one epic event of the year where uh, I spend at least at least two months between the planning and making and finalizing of my Halloween costume. It's what I live for, and uh, I'm very excited to talk to you all about my passion for the best holiday of the year, Halloween. So, Meredith, would you say that Halloween is your Coachella? <laughs> um except that it costs like way less and it's probably more fun and i have a shower at home so sure yeah yeah way better way better you don't have to like use a porta potty unless you want to unless i want to yeah absolutely Okay, so you love Halloween. So you already have this like natural predisposition towards, you know, Halloween festiveness. But like me, you live in a place, well, you live in a place called LA where it mm-hmm. is not fall in the way that we think of fall. Like you and I are both from cooler, more temperate yes. climates, right? So we're used to that that feeling that the air has when fall comes, the smell of burning leaves, like all of that, like that triggers like the Halloween mood, right? But 100%. I live in Texas. It was like 90 something degrees today. You live in LA. It was probably pretty similar. How do you get in the spirit of Halloween living in a place that like doesn't even have leaves to fall on the ground? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, must you remind me? Yes. Um, (laughs) Yes. I'm from Ohio and I distinctly remember that there would always be one day out of the year you'd step outside early in the morning to go to school and it was that smell. Like all of a sudden it smelled (gasps) like fall. Yeah. And and I don't know exactly what it, I think it was a lot of the leaves and the dew in the morning and just, it was this amalgamation of smells that just signaled that it was fall. And you definitely do not get any of that here. Um, Luckily, it's been overcast this week, so I just started the planning phase of my costume, so I feel like, you know, it's helping, but a lot of years, we're not as lucky. So, honestly, for me, it's watching Halloween movies 
it's getting all the decorations out and looking through them all and Mm -hmm. just trying to immerse yourself in the world that you want it to be, even though it's not, you know, even though it is, you could possibly be in the pool on um, (laughs) Halloween. (laughs) Uh, We've definitely had plenty of those um, here in Los Angeles, although sometimes it might be randomly very cold, but uh, Mm -hmm. that's that's a once, once in a blue moon. Um, But yeah, it's all about just trying to surround yourself with, the idea of the holiday and just immerse yourself in that way. It doesn't always work. You know, Christmas is the same way. You know, I I don't Mm -hmm. think Christmas will ever feel like Christmas here for me just because there's no snow and Mm -hmm. I've been here for uh, 18 years. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It just never is the same. Yeah. I don't know how people like who have grown up in LA have like ever felt one shred of Christmas cheer because (laughs) I need, I need the weather. I need Mm -hmm. something sort of spite, like cinnamony and cranberry ish. And like, I don't know. Yeah. It's the same thing with, with Halloween. Like I just, am not feeling it so far this year. It's been like the hottest summer I've ever lived in my life. And, uh, I made a pumpkin pie the other day in hopes of trying Ooh. to get in the spirit. Like it helped a little bit. It did rain this weekend, which okay. So I was like, okay, it's like a little cloudy. This could be Halloween. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have to take what you can get. You know, right. I, I get excited um, when I take my dog on a walk it starts to filter in the different decorations in the neighborhood. You know, Mm, a lot of people don't put any up sadly, but there are definitely houses already that have stuff up or are starting to get their things together. So mm -hmm, that helps a lot. So, okay. You, uh, decorate your whole house, right? Yes. And I was thinking of you like last week because I went to TJ Maxx Mm -hmm. and, uh, I walked in and there was like, oh my God, Meredith, like so much <laughs> Halloween stuff. And like, I'm talking Halloween bath towels and throw oh, pillows wow. and tchotchkes and pajamas and like socks, underwear, dog outfits, like dog treats, <laughs> like of course. Soap, hand soap dispensers. I mean, it was just like so much stuff. And I was like, wow, do people really buy this? And I knew the answer because a few days before that, I had been out thrifting with Dustin and every thrift store had their massive Halloween section up. And like, there was just so much of the stuff that was pretty much what I had just seen, what I saw a few days later Mm -hmm. at Max. And I was like, wow, like, why do, why do people buy all this stuff and then not use it anymore and buy more? And I, I, you know, we know why, because like, then you go Mm -hmm. to Max and you're like, oh my God, that's so cute. Right. Yeah. So, you decorate like your whole house, including your bathroom, correct? Yes. Why do I know correct. this? I just know. Um, <laughs> I had a question for you. Like, are you like hitting up like TJ Maxx or are you buying a bunch of stuff? Are you hitting up the aisles at Target or like where does all of your Halloween decor come from? Honestly, I don't. And, you know, I might buy something every now and again, but I have to say, when I go down those aisles, you know, and now it's, it's earlier and earlier, I'm not excited. Like you think I would be where I'd be like, Oh, mm-hmm. great. Um, and it, it, it does bring a little smile to my face to see that that stuff is out while it's a hundred degrees outside. However, a lot of it is just cheap shit yeah. and it's not like, it doesn't, you know, to, to quote the woman, it doesn't spark joy. Uh, there, uh, you know, if, if I, I walk down those aisles, I always do. I said, you know, if there is something, you know, Joanne fabrics always has stuff 
and it's always on sale. So I always just peek my head in when I'm in there and just check it out. But honestly, like so much of the stuff is like not interesting to me. And growing up, we made a lot of our decorations ourselves and the houses around here that are the coolest are not the ones with the, you know, eight foot skeleton in the yard. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's the ones that you could tell that they built the things themselves, or at least like embellished with some homemade things. I have a lot, I have, we have probably have more Halloween decorations than Christmas decorations, which (laughs) should come as no surprise. Nope. But it's just like a mismatch of random stuff that I've collected throughout the years that I keep. So it doesn't have a story. And that's one thing that I kind of want to change this year, at least for the exterior of the house mm-hmm. You know, the interior, our house is full of tchotchkes. We're definitely maximal maximalist. We're not minimalist at all. <laughs> I feel that um, we like stuff. We have lots of tchotchkes. So that's when we decorate the inside of the house, it's like, okay, this, um, my dad made me some ceramic, uh, tea light, you know, like a little jack-o'-lantern and a little ghost. So those go in the guest bathroom and like, you know, everything has their Mm -hmm, place. mm -hmm. Like we'll intermix with our tiki stuff, different Halloween things. So it's just there and kind of sets the mood. But this year I told my husband that I actually want to do something and I don't know what it is. He actually tried to just get me to go to Home Depot with him. And he's like, well, I thought we could maybe look at the Halloween decorations. And I'm like, I don't um, want to go. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, excuse me, who are you talking to? Number one, number two, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to look for things until I know the story I want to tell right, in the right. front yard. Like I need a plan. I don't want to just go buy this cause it looks cool. I think that's where you end up buying stuff that you're just the next year you're going to be like, Oh, whatever. Or, or always keep this in mind. Don't buy stuff that you don't have the room to store. Yeah. That's why that stuff ends up in the thrift stores. People yeah. are like, Oh, it's November. Where do I put this eight foot skeleton now? You know, like you don't have room for it. So always keep that in mind when you're buying decorations for any holiday, make sure that you have a place to store them. That's also accessible where you're going to remember that it's there. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. where, Like if there is something super cute that you see that you just have to have, like buy it. But, like, also make sure that it's somewhere where next year you're going to be able to pull it out and use it, you know? Yeah, totally, totally. And because that's the thing. If you don't have a place to put it, to store it, then what's going to happen is you're going to get rid of it. And it's just going to be at the thrift store this year. And you're not making, like, this recurring commitment to it. And I, I don't know, like, I like the idea of you know, building this collection over time. Um, it's a lot more organic and is stuff, mm-hmm. it will end up being stuff you love rather than being like, okay, I'm going to go fill a cart at Home Goods this weekend. You know, I mean, I haven't seen any of those like 10 feet uh, skeletons at Home <laughs> Depot yet, but it's like only a matter They're of time. Coming. I mean, I mean not at coming. Home Depot, at the thrift store. Sorry, I mm-hmm. haven't seen them there oh, yet. Yeah. <laughs> they will be there. And maybe they're getting bought as soon as they appear. I don't know. But like, yeah. it's just shocking, like what I see when I'm thrifting. It'll be like, oh, like tea light candles. Really? You couldn't hold on to those? Right? Or, you oh, know, my God. Yeah. It's like, oh, a, a thing to hand out candy? Really? Okay, well, like, what happened? Did you move somewhere where you can't hand out candy? Okay, maybe that's an acceptable excuse. Or did you 
upgrade to a new one and why because you're only going to use it one time (laughs) i don't know upgrade upgrade my candy bowl very necessary very necessary yeah they had some fancy ones at tj maxx by the way of course right (laughs) i'm sure they i'm sure they do i i i like to use my plastic witch cauldrons that i have yes Um, that's the best very easy because you can also then put decorations inside of those when mm-hmm. you store them. So it's like really easy to find space for those cauldrons because you can put other things in them. What a pro tip. <laughs> <laughs> pro tip. If you got extra cauldrons lying around, use them for storage. I think like part of part of all the little knickknacks that I have for Halloween, it's kind of like um, my Christmas decorations. A lot of them are just like uh, it's like breadcrumbs of my life that I've collected yeah. or even things that like my parents have sent me that were mine when I was a kid. So every year when you get the decorations out, it's that fun. Oh, I remember this thing or, you know, mm-hmm. I got this like 10 years ago. So that's, that's always the fun for me in taking out the decorations is just like going through everything and, and you know, bringing a smile to my face. Cause you only get to see them. That's what makes it special. So few things in the world today are like only dedicated to a specific month of the year, right? Everything's yeah, everywhere yeah. all, all at once. Uh-huh. And uh, it's nice when you can like have those keepsakes and bring them out and really have a special moment. I think that's just becomes more and more rare as time goes on. I agree. And it is, I mean, I feel the same way. Like when I pull out my Christmas decorations, like it's, I don't know, that's like the fun of decorating the tree, right? Is you're like, oh, I remember this. So yeah, Halloween should be the same way. Okay. So this year's theme of Close Horse Saves Halloween is it's super cheesy. Uh, It's putting the we back in Halloween. So really (laughs) making Halloween more about the people in our lives and spending time with people and prioritizing people across, you know, the supply chain and all of that stuff. You know the things. Oh, yeah. So for you, like, what do you do to connect with other people and, like, build memories with other people in the Halloween season? I think a lot of it uh, revolves around the costume part of it, because Mm -hmm. I think at this point, it's all very well known what I do for the (laughs) holiday and how big I go. Um, So I think a lot of it is keeping, you know, I keep most people in suspense Mm -hmm. of what I'm going to be doing. And so I, I talk to other people about what they're doing for their costumes. I like to really utilize, like, I love being on social media during this time because you can find some really creative, amazing costumes that like never in a million years I would have ever thought like that blow your office, uh, costume contest out of the water, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like huge expression of creativity. And so I know it kind of draws all of us creative weirdos together. And it's, that's why like, (laughs) you know, like you, you know, someone like when you're, you're never surprised when someone's into Halloween, if you truly know them, because you're like, oh, this is like made for you. This holiday is made for you. (laughs) When you know someone, you know where they stand on Halloween. Absolutely. So do you feel comfortable telling us what your costume is going to be this year? This isn't going to come out until the 31st of September. So Okay. 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 Word. Okay. Yes. Well, uh, I don't want to break tradition because last year I did divulge um, for the Close Horse community. And I do expect everyone that is listening to this to kind of keep it on the DL. Okay. Yeah. Keep um, it on the DL, please. everyone. Please. Um, 
this year, I was kind of toying with a few ideas that I have. And so I'm, I'm actually kind of happy because I do have a few good ideas that I could possibly reach into the bag um, mm-hmm. for next year. Okay. Um, sometimes like I write, I have like a notes list on my phone and I write down my ideas. And sometimes like the next year you look at it and you're like, what was I thinking? That would have been a terrible costume. So <laughs> sometimes <laughs> the ideas are best left to simmer and like marry. Right. And then Makes you're sense. like, oh, that was bad. Um, <laughs> but this year, so my husband always picks characters from 80s movies that like mostly dudes would know and so oftentimes I'm like you're gonna be what I don't I'm sorry I don't know (laughs) um and he's like oh you don't get it like all my friends this is like you know it's my demographic so with that in mind I was like I'm gonna do something for my demographic this year and like I don't care that he doesn't know what this thing is so um I am going to be a sky dancer, <gasps> the famous um, 90s toy that like killed people and stuff. Yeah, so. <laughs> I don't know if it like killed them, but it well, definitely yeah. named them or at least messed up yeah. their hair or something. Yes. Actually, wow. someone sent me a video on Instagram and it was like from the 90s. It was a like an old VCR um, copy of this video and this girl had received a sky dancer for Christmas and there was a roaring fire behind her <gasps> and she had, she had it and like, you know, the mom or whoever is like catching it on camera, her first time playing with this toy that she wanted so badly. And the dancer just flies up right into the fire. <laughs> Stop! <laughs> it's not funny, but it's funny. <laughs> I mean, I heard like there were like scratched corneas oh, and yeah. like broken teeth Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I I don't think I'm making this up. I believe that there were concussions. That perhaps I, some I stitches. Believe it. Yeah, I believe like, it. Like I think I remember watching a video, and I think there were like like cuts on faces that were hard <laughs> stitches. <laughs> I just would love to. I mean, I, listen, it's not like this toy was made in the 70s. Like there were some restrictions in place in the 90s as far as what you could do for children's toys. I one would assume. Um, I, yeah. I would love to just have been in that like development meeting of like, this is the toy we're going to make. What could possibly go wrong um, <laughs> from the, from the makers of lawn darts. Um, uh, yeah. Right. I, I, I never had one personally. Uh, my, uh, yeah, my mom would never buy me one. I actually don't even know. Like, I know I was interested in the toy. I don't know if I was just like, constantly begging. I can't remember. Um, but I do remember my neighbor across the street had one. Um, and they were around for a hot minute. Apparently there was a cartoon. Um, uh, of course there was, yeah. of course there was, you know, we, yeah, you, you kind of covered that in the department, um, the, the connection between toys and cartoons. Um, but yeah, they, so it was, it's interesting, but, uh, I saw someone do it and I was like, oh my God, that's, yeah, that was like, everyone knows that toy that was around in that era. So, um, I'm, I'm excited. It's also not going to be anything like super crazy. I am very busy at work. And so my bandwidth on the weekends to like even look at a sewing machine is relatively low. So I also (laughs) gauge my costume on how ambitious I'm feeling. Um, and this year I'm like, maybe not the most ambitious, um, but something that I can still have fun with and still be like artistic and use my creativity and just kind of use it as a, as an outlet. So, um, so yeah, that's what, that's what the plan is currently. Well, I love it. I'm excited. I support this. Thank you. Um, And I can't wait to see it. (laughs) 
I guess I would just say, are there any like final thoughts or feelings that you have about Halloween that you really want to get out? (laughs) Oh my God. Um, Yeah. I just, there's something about it. There's something about a bunch of people being super creative, you know, and of course, like any holiday, there's um, people that kind of, you know, just go to the store, buy the plastic costumes uh, yeah. um, from Spirit of Halloween. <laughs> yeah. Um, those have already started popping up. Maybe this is just me. I swear they popped up earlier this year. I definitely saw some beginning of September. I don't know if I saw any August. Did you see them in August? I saw one in August here wow. in Austin it, only because it was like, it's like next to an Indian restaurant that we like to go to. And I was <laughs> like, wait, what? Like huh? already? <laughs> yeah. Is it, what month is it? it? Like, because here with the weather just kind of being the same all the time, you're like, wait, where am I? Like, exactly. is it, is it October? And you're like, no, wait, it's August. <laughs> like, <laughs> I did, yeah. And I, like, I, I know we've talked about like, you know, extending the seasonality of seasonal product, but like, is anyone actually buying things in August for Halloween? I, I feel like that's like a stretch. That's a real Yeah. I don't, stretch. I don't know. You know, I saw an Instagram post last week that was a photo from a mall somewhere in the Valley, you know, outside of LA. Um, and they already mm-hmm. had their Christmas trees up in the mall. And I was like, all right. This oh, is no. out of control. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I, what, I, I live in the valley, so I will try to avoid that as much as possible. It's just too, too soon. <laughs> too, too soon. soon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I try. So I feel like even if you don't like Halloween or it's not like, you know, your favorite or whatever, try to like stay away from the commercialized side of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that, like, like the, the commercialized side of Christmas you know, going, putting these trees up in September, like ridiculous. That's not what it's about. What it's about is just being creative. And, and also I think because when I was a kid, like I wasn't able to like wear certain things or like be crazy and weird, you know, it, I think I really got drawn to it as like an outlet. Like every Mm -hmm. year I did have this Mm -hmm. one holiday where it was okay to like, wear something crazy and like build something. So I think to me, that's what it, it's always meant. And Mm -hmm. that's why I still love it to this day. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And you know what? We're not going to let big Halloween ruin Mm -mm. Halloween. No, absolutely (laughs) not. It's our, it's our mission every year. And I thank you so much for entrusting me with helping to, to wage this battle. On, uh, on big Halloween. Yeah, well, we're really we're really grateful for your support, Meredith, <laughs> and we're all glad that you're a part of this like saving Halloween task force that we oh, formed. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> it's the uh, the honor and pleasure is all mine. If you're enjoying this episode, then this is a great time to remind you that my work here at Close Horse is made possible by the support of listeners like you, just like NPR, and these great small businesses. Please go give them your support. Blank Cass 
or Blanket Coats by Cass, is focused on restoring, renewing, and reviving the history held within vintage and heirloom textiles. By embodying the love, craft, and energy that is original to each vintage textile as I transfer it into a new garment, I hope we can reteach ourselves to care for and mend what we have and make it last. Blank Cass lives on Instagram at blank underscore Cass, and a website will be launched soon at blankcass.com. Located in Whistler, Canada, Velvet Underground is a velvet jungle full of vintage and secondhand clothing, plants, a vegan cafe, and lots of rad products from other small sustainable businesses. Our mission is to create a brand and community dedicated to promoting self-expression, as well as educating and inspiring a more sustainable and conscious lifestyle, both for the people and the planet. Find us on Instagram at shop underscore velvet underground or online at www.shopvelvetunderground.com. St. Evans is a New York City based vintage shop that is dedicated to bringing you those special pieces you'll reach for again and again. More than just a store, St. Evans is dedicated to sharing the stories and history behind the garments. 10% of all sales are donated to a different charitable organization each month. New vintage is released every Thursday at wearstevens.com with previews of new pieces and more brought to you on Instagram at where underscore st dot evens. That's where St. Evans. Country Feedback is a mom and pop record shop in Tarboro, North Carolina. They specialize in used rock, country, and soul and offer affordable vintage clothing and housewares. Do you have used records you want to sell? Country Feedback wants to buy them. Find us on Instagram at Country Feedback Vintage and Vinyl or head down east and visit our brick and mortar. All are welcome at this inclusive and family-friendly record shop in the country. Republica Unicornia Yarns. Handmade yarn and notions for the color obsessed. Made with love and some swearing in fabulous Atlanta, Georgia by head yarn wench Kathleen. Get ready for rainbows with a side of giving a damn. Republica Unicornia is all about making your own magic using small batch, responsibly sourced, hand-dyed yarns, and thoughtfully made notions. Slow fashion all the way down and discover the joy of creating your very own beautiful hand-knit, crocheted, or woven pieces. Find us on Instagram at republica underscore unicornia underscore yarns and at www.republicaunicornia.com. Picnicware, a slow fashion brand ethically made by hand from vintage and dead stock materials, most notably vintage towels. Founder Danny has worked in the industry as a fashion designer for over 10 years, but started Picnicware in response to her dissatisfaction with the industry's shortcomings. Picnicware recently moved to rural North Carolina, where all their sewing and accessories are now designed and cut, but the majority of their sewing is done by skilled garment workers in New York City. Their customers take comfort in knowing that all their sewists are paid well above New York City minimum wage. Picnicware offers minimal waste and maximum authenticity, future vintage over future garbage. Cute Little Ruin is an online shop dedicated to providing quality vintage and secondhand clothing, vinyl, and home items in a wide range of styles and price points. If it's ethical and legal, we try to find a home for it. Vintage style with progressive values. 
Find us on Instagram at cute little ruin. Is there a little bit of Italy in your soul? Are you an enthusiast of pre-loved decor and accessories? Bring vintage Italian style and history into your space with the pewter thimble. We source useful and beautiful things and mend them where needed. We also find gorgeous illustrations and make them print-worthy. Tarot cards, tea towels, and hand-picked treasures available to you from the comfort of your own home. Responsibly sourced from across Rome, lovingly renewed by fairly paid artists and artisans, with something for every budget. Discover more at thepewterthimble.com. Deco Denim is a startup based out of San Francisco, and it sells clothing and accessories that are sustainable, gender fluid, size inclusive, and high quality, made to last for years to come. Deco Denim is trying to change the way you think about buying clothes. Founder Sarah Mattis wants to empower people to ask important questions like, where was this made? Was this garment made ethically? Is this fabric made of plastic? Can this garment be upcycled? And if not, can it be recycled? Sign up at decodenim.com to receive $20 off your first purchase. They promise not to spam you and send out no more than three emails a month, with two of them surrounding education or a personal note from the founder. Again, that's decodenim.com. Okay, I would say the moral of Meredith's story is reuse, repurpose, and rethink. You don't need to go on a brand new Halloween decor shopping spree every year, no matter how much stuff TJ Maxx has there for you to buy. Like with the classics, like the pieces that totally. you love, you know, that excite you and you pull them out of storage. Totally. Uh, and I just have a couple more decor callouts here. Uh, please, please promise me that you will not use those horrible, bad plastic spider webs. The ones that you like, they come, they look like a cloud and you like pull them out and hang them over trees and whatnot. For one, they are plastic. That means they shed microplastics every moment that they're in the world, including out in your yard, stretched out across your trees or your porch or balcony, wherever you have them. And two, they are very dangerous. In fact, I've seen them referred to as a death trap for birds and small animals because they get stuck in them. Um, And they're going to live in the landfill for like centuries, haunting, haunting the world. Um, You don't need those. Um, They actually like don't even really look that good. Sorry, I ruined it for you, but they don't. Um, But you can make lots of cool stuff that you can reuse over and over again. I love when I go by a house and I see that they have made hilarious tombstones for their front yard. I don't know why, but I love reading a punny tombstone. Um, You can make spider webs out of rope or yarn. Uh, You can make ghosts out of fabric and paper. You can make all kinds of signs. Uh, Like I said, you can make jack-o'-lanterns out of paper as well or paper mache. If you're like, I am not the artsy craftsy type, Amanda, that's okay too, because guess what? There are so many decorations at thrift stores right now. I can't believe it. I was telling Maggie... I didn't even know Halloween wreaths were a thing until I saw so many this weekend, along with all kinds of like things to hang in your windows, string lights, stuff to hang on your door, ghosts, tombstones that were sort of made out of like styrofoam, uh, 
disembodied hands. <laughs> I saw so many things that I think you could use to create your own fabulous secondhand uh, Halloween scene. Even if they're not like directly Halloween, like obviously Halloween themed, like even just coupling like black and orange and gothic things together, like skulls and you know, decor, kind of make your own hodgepodge Halloween. Totally, totally. Um, Like I said, going thrifting can be really great inspiration for that because maybe you're like, oh, I realized that I don't want to do orange and black. I want I want to do a pastel Halloween and you can buy a bunch of like secondhand sheets and cut them up into ghosts and other things as well, you know? So, yes, yes. So just like being there will like help you formulate an idea. And then the great thing is, when Halloween is over, you can pack it all up and put it away for next year. And maybe next year you add another element to it and you expand over time until you're Meredith and even your bathroom is decorated. You know, life goals, right? Thanks to Meredith, Ruby, and of course, the one and only Maggie Green for spending so much time getting us inspired and excited about Halloween. I'll be sharing all of their info in the show notes. Seriously, go see what Ruby is working on. I am so excited. That word doesn't even describe it. Proud, happy, I don't know, but I'm just beyond about what Ruby is doing, and I'm really excited for all of us to support her. Of course, you'll also want to follow Maggie's incredible Styloween journey. You'll get to see her rad wrestler costume come together, and maybe even this is the year that you book a costume consultation with her. I'll be sharing all of that information in the show notes so you can check it out. We'll be back next week to talk about pumpkins, candy, makeup, and so much more, basically trying to solve all of your Halloween quandaries, and we'll be joined with some more amazing people from our community. Until then, thanks for listening to another episode of Close Horse. Edited, hosted, researched, written, all the things, I'm sure I'm missing some of it, by me, Amanda Lee McCarty. If you like what you're hearing, I would love for you to leave a rating, maybe even a review on Apple Podcasts, but most importantly, tell your friends. Seriously, we're never going to save Halloween if we don't get everyone involved. We're never going to be like, OMG, RIP fast fashion, until we get everyone involved. So tell everyone you know. If you'd like to support my work financially, you can learn more at patreon.com slash close horse podcast, or you can sign up for the Apple premium subscription. It's $2.99 a month. You get access to all of our archives, but most importantly, you just get to support something you care about. There are lots of other ways you can support Close Horse, of course, by sharing content, by recommending to friends, and you can find other options in the link of my Instagram bio, where you'll find me and all of my content at Close Horse Podcast. Thanks, as always, to my other half, Dustin Travis White, who, among many things he does for this podcast, uh, indulged my need to have spooky sounds in this episode. All right, I'll see you all next week when we will continue to save Halloween. Bye. <laughs>